Walking through the swamp in the middle of the night after being dropped off in a helicopter is so cool. This That's is, what you this think the sick. army is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have 12 guys on the team. We're expecting six of us to be dead. In, in very small ways, you know, wokeism is starting to finally seem for what it really is, which right. is a disease. I'm probably in trouble for saying this. I think that wokeism is a lack of confidence. Oh, yeah, we should defund the police. What? I think I'm the only guy to say fuck in the New York Stock Exchange <laughs> as I'm giving my public speech. That's a scary question. Do you think we'll ever see foreign troops on U.S. soil? That Second Amendment prevents a lot of that <laughs> shit from happening, boys. God bless. Yeah. Between the Israel and Palestine and the Hamas thing, where do you think this goes? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Heavy Checklist podcast where we sit down and we just kind of start talking and we just kind of start uh, saying things that some of us didn't even know. And uh, it's it's a hell of a time. Most of the time, what comes out of your mouth you don't know is going to come out. No. It's like watching Michael Scott. From the office. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. So as you guys know, uh, we just barely rebooted the podcast. We were going strong a few years ago, took a break, built a new podcast studio, kind of um, got all of our ducks in a row, and then we decided that we wanted to hit it full speed ahead again. And in doing that, we wanted to make sure we had some kick-ass guests. In fact, our guest tonight is our first official guest of the reboot. And oh. our most kick-ass guest. Oh. He's a pretty good one. <laughs> He's a pretty good one. In fact, I just found out, before I tell you who he is, those of you who are watching on YouTube, you already see if you recognize him. But I just found out today that um, our guest was just on Rogan a couple of days ago. Oh, the podcast that yeah. Rogan uploaded yesterday. And this guest has been on Rogan a few times. Yeah. You're close friends with him. So you're not, uh, you're not new to the world of podcasting. No. And uh, we're very, very happy to have you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Evan Hafer. Do the clapping. Yeah. <laughs> no, not the laughing. There we go. There we go. There we go. So Evan Hafer is the founder of Black Rifle Coffee, correct? It is. All right. And um, Evan is a former Green Beret. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time in the uh, U.S. Army. Uh, spent some time in the CIA. Yep. Um, and now you are running a very big coffee business. Yeah. 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 It's uh, you summarized twenty years relatively well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the founder, still the CEO until January first. Uh, then I roll off. I'm the chairman, and then uh, is that because of the IPO? No, it's because uh, you, I think you reach reach a point at any point in business. I, I wanted to roll off a couple of years ago. Um, my co-CEO, I was, I was preparing him to take over. Uh, I hired him five years ago, six years ago now, but, um, he got sick. So we had to hire somebody else and start pulling them in and, and essentially training and building a succession from within. So, um, you know, I, I'm stoked. I go to the chairman and I'm taking a founder role in the company so I can just work on. That's kind of creative. the best role you can get. It yeah. is. You don't got to like, deal with the day to day. No, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, I get a ton of time back. I can focus on creative, which is really where my strong suit is. Right. You know, how, process. How old are you? 47. 47. That's a lot to do in 47 years. He's kind of like a, he's got a lot of similarities to Rob Deerdick. Yeah. Rob Deerdick. Much uh, better looking. Way I'd say better. better looking. Yeah. Way better. Yeah. And yeah, probably yeah. more violent. Uh, he's got some training. more violent. Um, but you've got, uh, you know, when you hear Evan Hafer, and if you don't know you, you hear, you you get kind of a mixed bag of, of things you can hear about you. But, oh, yeah. Um, viral videos. Yeah. I, I've, <laughs> uh, I've known you via our circle of friends for a long time. Yeah. So what we're doing tonight is a long time coming. Yeah. Um, 
we've been talking about doing stuff with Black Rifle for so long, but yeah. as you guys IPO'd and we're super busy, there's just always kind of this world where it doesn't work, but we just kind of forced it to happen, um, especially after spending some time uh, together last week in Moab yeah. uh, with the, you and some of the coolest dudes in the world. I, by, the, by far, they are way cooler than I am. And <laughs> that, you know, they've got Andy Stump just in general. I mean, he's a former SEAL Team 6 guy. He was shot um, uh, several years ago. He was... He was wounded. He came back. He became a buds instructor. He got then, shot in the hip. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think he was telling yeah. us the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then he just decided he was going to get out, and he became a private pilot. So then he was uh, CrossFit's private private pilot for several years, and then he. Oh, I didn't know he was a pilot. Oh yeah, he's he's a commercial pilot. He's a commercial oh. rated pilot, uh, and he has a couple world records. He's a very accomplished skydiver. He's got a really famous podcast. Like the, the guy's just like everything he does is exceptional. And he makes right. it look really easy. Yeah. And he also puts a level of jackassery in it that yeah. makes it palatable for me. That's why we yeah. like him. Yeah. I, I can't talk to people that are, I mean, I can, I can hold a conversation with somebody that's really serious for a very finite amount of time before it's like, it turns into just really dumb shit. Yeah. Like the just one really thing, dumb stuff. The one thing about Dave I know is that if they can't hold his attention, he just will stop talking altogether. Oh, cool. So multiple yeah. times. I, I'll, I'll like, before I even know what's happening, I'll have left the conversation and be off doing something Hold else. on. Let me tell you really? how bad it is. He will look you in your eyes and not respond. He'll oh, just, yeah. Looking right through you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the same type of guy we're talking about, though, the, the, the type of people. So I hate small talk. Yeah. Hates it. Yeah, I fucking hate it, too. Small talk. But I also hate, you know, boring talk, you know, um, just business talk. I, I hate talking about trucks most of the time because yeah. I've been talking about them for 10 years now. Right. Um, I love trucks. I love building them. But when it gets to the point where when you become high profile, I'm sure you've run into this, people formulate this idea of who you are, right? They, they think you're a certain way because they heard you on this show, that show, they followed you and then they meet you in person. And so they have this little package of who they right. think you are and they kind of stay in that package, meaning they, they don't know what else to talk about. Right. And it kind of drives me crazy, which is why fan, I love our fans. I love yeah. our supporters. Um, but when I'm, you know, in the grocery store at 10 o'clock at night, trying to get something for the family and rush home. How much would it be to come me. and swap yeah. my truck? Yeah, and they want right. to show yeah, me a picture yeah. of a F-150. They want to come and swap. It's just like, not the time, you know? Time out. Um, when are you in the grocery store at 10 o'clock at night? And why? a lot, actually. Why? Because I get random cravings. I'm a yeah. big cup of noodles guy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like, but not just okay. a regular cup of noodles. I like yeah. the bougie like ones. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get yeah. the ones that are like as big as, you know, they're like three foot. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm big on that. And do when it hits me, I got to go. So, but you don't want to stock up. You want it like you fill it, you go buy one, and then you sit nope, in the truck the and problem. eat it. I stock up, but I have a couple of mini me's who have the same eating habits as me. Yeah, so nice. Mac and Bo just love the spicy noodles as well. So, <laughs> um, with that said, Evan, um, you're a pretty accomplished guy. Uh, you're a guy that uh, you've done a lot. You've lived a lot of lives. I've tried. I've, I've really tried. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and you know to kind of summarize it, it's. And I was talking a little bit about it with Joe is like, uh, you know, at five, seven and, uh, soaking wet on my best day, I'm 160 pounds, you know, maybe slightly above average IQ. I'm running everything in the red. You know, I'm trying to get, <laughs> I'm trying to get everything I can out of this whole thing. And I know that, you know, dealing with, you know, my mortality for an extended period of time, every day, every minute, every second, I was like, you know, transitioning out of government service. It was like, we, we got to run, we got to ring this sponge on this thing. Yeah. And <clears throat> so I don't, 
I don't really pontificate about uh, motivation or uh, I, I never want to be a motivational speaker. I don't think that I have the, the type of skills where it is. It's just uh, I'm a very action oriented person. And I feel like if I'm not fucking busy, if I'm not just grinding myself into moon dust, I'm not getting everything out of right. the day. Yep. And I just kind of, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say it's like Forrest Gump. That's probably not the most accurate way to describe it. But <laughs> a little autistic. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I go really deep into things and I, you know, I fell into this. I didn't fall into it. I, 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 I lucked into this uh, a couple doors down from me. I was, I was like, I, I had my first girlfriend back in the day in Idaho. I grew up in Lewiston, Idaho, which is on the confluence of two rivers. Fucking amazing place. And, um, well, my girlfriend at the time in junior high school, I was walking into their house and I had a book in my back pocket and it said Navy SEALs across the top. And he's like, Hey you, why don't you come over here? I was like, Oh, is the girlfriend's dad. Yeah. I was like, what did I do now? <laughs> uh, I promise, sir, like you've never seen anything because I've been very good in public in front of you. Um, and then he, he pulled it out. He's like, so what's this all about? I was like, Oh, you know, these guys are badass." And he's like, why don't you come in my den here and i was like dude this guy's gonna fucking thump me <laughs> and he he was a former green beret he pulled a book off the shelf which was a history the green berets and he was like swap me out with this read this one tell me what you think and from that point forward i was like i want to go be a green beret and that was it how old it, were you i was 16 at the time same size same size. I, I maybe even a little bit. Stop like, throwing at twelve, uh, nine maybe. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, same size basically, and I was like, hey, okay, I can run, I can shoot, I can get some stuff done. But I was kind of just, um, you know, a, a, a ship without a rudder. I guess I was right. a standard teenage kid. I got shitty grades. I, well, I went to college, but. I just wanted to jump out of airplanes and do green beret stuff. Like all I wanted to be was like a commando. That's right. it. And I was like, I go to college. And I was like, fuck, man, I want, I want to learn how to shoot people in the face. Like that, <laughs> that's, that's what I want to do. And, um, so finally I got the opportunity. I went to selection and then the wars kicked off and then I was sucked into the global war on terrors for, or the global war on terror, multiple different theaters. And then I did the invasion of Iraq with, uh, uh, CIA. And then I, I applied to the CIA. I, I went in there around 2005 and I spent basically the next 10 years there. What did you do for the CIA? Uh, I did a combination of things. No, no, I, I, I did something. I was on what's called global response staff, uh, for a few years. And I was, uh, went over to a different department. And then, uh, my last couple of years there, I was, I ran a selection and training program for former commandos that wanted to come out and work for us. So I kind of developed the training criteria and then the selection, but at the same time, and back in 97, not to like gloss over everybody's eyes. I, <laughs> I, I, I was in Seattle and I, I was like, I was, I was once again, girl, uh, I was trying to meet this chick in my anthropology class and, um, she was a barista. So I'd frequent this place and be buying <laughs> coffees, trying to get to know her. And I was like, this is awesome. So I fell in love with coffee. I started roasting it in between deployments after that. And I always thought that the wars were going to last this long. And then I'm just going to get out and start a coffee shop. And my idea back in the day was always to have this bougie, cool gun store with like race guns in a range and a coffee shop. That's the term black rifle coffee. Mm. And I was roasting coffee on the back tailgate of a government truck on the range, teaching guys how to shoot carbines. And, and I used to just stamp these brown bags and I'd ship this stuff out overseas to my buddies 
so when I transitioned out, um, the black rifle was born. And by the way, my wife, I met her in a coffee shop. She had a coffee shop in Denver Hmm. and she was like, I know how to pull shots. I know how to roast coffee. Let's just put these two things together. So the the even shorter version, who was in the bikini, you or her, (laughs) both of us, Okay, depending on the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the scenario, both of us were there. (laughs) I listen, I, I lived in Seattle. I know all about those, those little bikini baristas, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Baristas. Yeah. Did you, you lived in Seattle? I did. I lived uh, in downtown Seattle. Where like downtown, downtown, downtown. I lived in Bellevue and then I I was a missionary there. Oh, okay. But I was in downtown Seattle, the majority of it. Okay. And we were always like, this is insane. There's just these little coffee shops yeah. everywhere yeah. with hot girls in swimsuits. Yeah. 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 And people are just lined up. They're, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And they, it, it, yeah. But yeah. Seattle's a real shitty place. It's on now, my do not go to well, list. Hold, no, no, hold on. Seattle is beautiful. Yeah. The people suck. You ever tried yeah. driving a 24 foot trailer around? Bro, I've mm. tried, I tried driving Dude, the, the streets worst. there. The, the semi trailer. They're horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. When horrible. I came back here after my mission, I remember just looking at how big the streets were. It's like I had forgotten because yeah. the streets are tiny there. So it's talking about pulling a trailer. No. no. I love Seattle. I do not like the people. Hopefully we don't have a lot of listeners in Seattle. I don't like the people, don't but say I love all the people. We love I anybody mean, outside any of the actual got, city. Got good and bad people. Yeah. The problem is the mentality oh, of Seattle has a, become this a, weird mob mentality. Weird where the liberal, liberal mindset mob. is is and I even I hate to say the word liberal because it's it's it's, it's, it's not it's it's communism. It like is, they have a they have a communist mayor. Yep. I know we said no politics, but it's no we're gonna get a no. Name I was today. joking. Oh, about you were. That. Oh, we fucking talk about yeah, whatever we want. Like it's it's like a it's like a cancer that just infected like everybody's minds and. I, it's just when I was there, dude. You, I, I lived in Ballard, so okay, when I first I moved exactly. out there, and I, I used to go to these bars down Beautiful in Ballard. Area. You could still get in a fight. You, you could still get in a fight with a guy that worked on a boat. Like he was a fisherman. Okay, he was wearing Carhartts. Like if you ran your mouth, yeah, you, you get your bell rung. Huh. You weren't like I. I would go out and I was. I was like I'd wear Carhartts and Levi's. Like yeah. I was just a Northern Idaho kid and like. It wasn't skinny jeans and top knots and guys that look like they work on bicycles <laughs> in the 1800s. It wasn't that. It was real working class people yeah. out in, in that area of the town. Were you living there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was stationed in Fort Lewis and I was going back and forth to Seattle. And um, uh, I I just, I, I loved the city until it Became. made this weird, it, it flipped to yeah. just full socialist. And, and then I was like, I can't. I can't do this. Yeah, the, yeah. the first time I took her back there three years ago, or maybe it was four years during COVID. My, that's my wife, oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah. And she was like, wait, hold on. There's a whole place in the middle of the city that they've shut down yeah. uh, police mm-hmm. and they built their own gang and then put a whole fence around it. <laughs> Yeah. No joke, dude. When you went down to downtown Seattle, they they Didn't kicked they have the pl- a name. Yeah, Didn't have a name. The yeah. chop. Was the, no, no, like no. That. They were called. It was called the Chaz. The chop. The Chaz, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. And and dude, yeah. they literally ran their shit. They ran the cops mm-hmm. out. I was like, hold on, time out. They yeah. have no guns, and you ran the cops out. How does yeah. that work? And it was an experiment. But that's the literally. Let them. But yeah. yeah. But to be fair, like that's what Seattle is and or was. So right. Yeah. Again, the reason why I won't go, go back is because I have seven outstanding parking tickets. <laughs> that's park, about right. I parked my truck and trailer sideways in a parking lot, and I got seven of and them. The crazy thing I'm not is, coming back, bro. You'll yeah, probably get in more trouble for those parking tickets than somebody in Seattle who walks into a grocery store and walks out with a thousand dollars. And that's why yeah. I can't Guaranteed. go back. Yep. Yeah. Guaranteed. Never again. It's a crazy place. Beautiful, but yeah. crazy. Yeah. The only, in Fremont, they have a statue of Lenin. Yeah, like they they really? have a statue yeah. of Lenin in Fremont, which is yeah. part of Seattle, right yeah. before a bridge. 
and it was it was always this weird feeling because you're like ultra American, right. you know, very very conservative, and then you're living amongst a bunch of people that built a statue of Lenin, and they're, they're the same <laughs> like, people who the? are trying to get us to tear down statues of our founding fathers. Yeah, yeah, they're the yeah. Same. It, It's such a weird mindset, and. Uh, I mean, it's easy at first glance to just hate it and just, you know, think that everybody's so messed up. And there is a lot of mess, messed up people, but I'm so curious about what they really believe. Yeah. Are they really, do they really believe this bleeding heart mentality or they just kind of, that's where they are and that's who they are for the time being? I think it's and, the latter. Right? Yeah. Because so, I've never met anybody that was willing to die on that belief no. in, in that sector of no. what we're talking about. Yeah, and the logic is not sound, uh-uh. which is weird because most of these people tend to be, well, not most of them, but some of them are intellectual people, you know, yeah. they're people that, uh, well-educated and, and it, man, they just get tricked. Again, I'm not going, I'm not saying they're bad. I just, if, if I were to, cause I'm not right or left, I feel like I'm probably a good unbiased, but if I meet people from the right, they're willing to die for whatever right. the fuck they're telling you they're going to, they're, they're yeah. now on the left, purple hair and craziness they're not willing to die for it. And as soon as they're threatened, usually that is uprooted and it's changed. That's why I say like, there isn't like when you say, what do they really believe? I don't even know if there is a real hardcore belief because you're willing to die for what you really believe, right. but they're not. It's like, this is where I'm at right now. So we said no politics, 10 minutes uh, in, we're, we're already there. We're deep into the <laughs> blue hair. <laughs> so that's uh, Evan, help me establish a timeline. Real sure. Quick. Yeah. Um, you joined, you went straight into basic training for yeah, I was in the guard and in the college at the same time. Then I went on active duty in uh, uh, 1999. Um, and then I, when I, once I came out, uh, 2005 is when I went into the CIA. And then I went back into the guard, which was 19 Special Forces Group here in uh, Utah. That's okay. how I landed in Utah. I was, uh, I was teaching courses here for them. So I was in what's called Group Training Detachment and 19 Special Forces Group. Um, I was kind of short timing, right? I was, I was done, but I'd, I'd done, uh, seven years of deployments. Like, like you were over there for, yeah. Seven years. Yeah. On the ground, boots on the ground, give or take including army CIA. Yeah. 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 And I'd gone several different places. So Southeast Asia I'd worked in Africa, anywhere from the Philippines to, uh, South Africa, which was Botswana and the Okavango Delta to Senegal. And then, kind of all over the middle east were you so. were you married with kids during that time no <laughs> no i was gone i was i spent most of my adult life out of the country like, so you said 2005 you joined cia mm-hmm, yeah, so yeah. that's when you left me in the green beret mm-hmm. or i, I still then. stayed in the reserves basically yeah. the entire time or it's called the re i call the reserves because people don't understand that the national guard is somewhat like the reserves so it's a it's a statement that kind of everybody understands um versus like trying to tell exactly the unit because people just gloss over. They're like, what the fuck? Right. I, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of flip back and forth. I do a deployment. Uh, I go probably four or five deployments a year and then I come back and do a deployment with 19th group. And so I was just gone. Just a lot. Gone. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, I, I truly enjoyed being gone. Yeah. Um, and at the time, you know, I, I, there's lots of different reasons why I was doing it, right? There's like lots of different reasons. All of them were about the mission, about pursuing terrorism. There was a lot of different, uh, very meaningful mission, bigger than me. Right. Uh, things that I had to accomplish that I felt that I was, I needed to be part of that. Uh, 9/11 then I got tired. You? 
Yeah, I was in uh, a, <clears throat> I was in a training course um, down in Louisiana, down a swamp, and I was actually a prisoner of war in this training scenario. So I was like, I built some flip flops out of five fifty cord with parachute <laughs> cord and cardboard, and I was just naked in this cage, basically on this barge in the middle of the swamp. And um, they came out, and they're like, uh, planes hit the towers, and we're like, was this part of the scenario or what? And we're still in scenario. We're, we're, we're <laughs> deep. It which is, you know, you guys are aviation guys. So it's, it's such a cool training exercise. One of my first things that I did that I thought was like super cool. We took these helicopters <clears throat> out over the ocean and then back up into uh, the Pearl river, which is a tributary to the Mississippi. And then we did what's called a helo cast. So we dropped the 47s ramp basically down into the river, which is moving 10 knots at like one o'clock in the morning. And then you hmm. push, zodiacs off the back of a boat and you you push the boats off and you go out behind them so you jump into the river this is all out of the back of a chinook and, yeah yeah it's a, yeah it's a chinook and um and then you swim to the boat you fire it up and you start going up the river to your recon point but i hadn't done this before so you're you got your bow line and i'm the junior guy basically so i'm the young guy so i'm the bow line guy i've never done any of this shit before <laughs> so they're like you're going out with the boat i'm like great i'm going out with the boat so i go out with the boat i get back in the boat my job is to start start the engine and start picking everybody up right so get your nvgs out and pick everybody up and i'm cranking on the boat and we're floating down at 10 knots so it's moving oh I'm it's like, a pull wah, start wah, wah, just trying to get this thing started and it starts and it goes and then stops. Well, I don't know why, because this is my first time on a boat team. I don't know. Oh, you got to turn the fuel on dummy. That's what you got to do. So it just had enough in the lines to get it going. And finally I kind of got my, everything sorted out and started picking guys up and we went up and uh, set in basically a recomposition, but walking through the swamp in the middle of the night after being dropped off in a helicopter is so cool. Like I, it is like the thing that every, I think every guy that wants to be a green beret is like, Holy shit. This That's is, what you this think is the army is going to be. Yeah. yeah. When you yeah. get sold on it, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm jumping out of a Chinook into Re a recruiters boat. Recruiters are showing you that picture. Yeah. Of that video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of him. yeah and then you're pole starting something <laughs> and then you're doing it and you're like, wait, this is a lot of work. And this is really sketchy because you're, you're out in the, the river and I'm, you know, I'm from Northern Idaho. So you see little glowing, points of light on the banks and they're like six inches or eight inches apart. And I'm like, what are those? Those are gators Jeez. and they're all over. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> what are we doing here? Why are we in this water then? Why are we swimming in this water at night? This is crazy. And as you're walking through these dry areas and then down into these troughs are like, these are game trails that you're walking on. And they're also game trails that go down into the water and up the other side. So you'd, you wouldn't go in two at a time because if your guy gets, snatched up you're like okay i gotta be ready to like pull this guy by the rucksack out of here did that ever happen no no it never happened but it was still fun yeah. it was it was a blast like it was like one of my first things so you get the call was 9-11 your first deployment um no it was uh i went to the philippines uh just about a year later i went to the um the philippines there was a there's a small group of communist insur insurgents operating in the northern Philippines islands. Uh, and so we went out and trained Filipinos to try to pursue those guys. There was also uh, a smaller uh, radical Islamic function or faction that was uh, called Abu Sayyaf. 
they weren't really gaining a lot of inertia at that time. So we were working on what, what we were doing in the North. And then my first deployment was the invasion of Iraq. So I was, uh, one of the first vehicles to cross the berm from Kuwait into Iraq in, uh, March, 2003. Wow. Sheesh. Yeah, it was Tell, great. Yeah, what is that like, dude? I mean, you, so at that time, everybody's still thinking we're going to get in and get out. We're going to get some. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going. This is going to be a what, what a few weeks, couple month mission. You're you're, yeah. you're planning on snatching him that day you crossed the line. Kind. Of, I mean, you knew it was a long drive, yeah. right? Because you're looking at the map, and at that point, you know, GPS. It, it's it's gotten so much better. So yeah. we had a lot of maps, and we just basically had a blank screen with a line on how we could get to where we needed to go. It wasn't very much more sophisticated than that. Were you taking roads or were you taking both? Okay. So we would at times be on a road, but we started basically in wide open flat desert. Fuck. And, um, and uh, we, we, we led uh, the 101st airborne division and uh, we had split team operations. So one side of the team where they leap North and CH 47s shit, shit hooks, Chinooks. Huh. And then, um, we, we had Humvees and then we all linked up just South of a town called Karbala. Uh, but we were, we were on the push to Baghdad all the way, all the way North, but we were stopped a couple different times, uh, to deal with different levels of military, uh, you know, organized military, Iraqi military. Um, and then we, we got into Baghdad, um, I guess it's probably a week or two later. I can't remember exactly the timelines, but we had big sandstorm during that time. So that, we was all, your, that was like your first time in a sandstorm. Yeah. It was the first time we, we'd been in Kuwait prepping to go, yeah. but it was the first time you had just complete brown up, like just everything's brown. You can see maybe five feet in front of you. So you're driving five miles an hour, but you know, that sand, it gets in everything everything you can't see anything you can't go anywhere so we all had to stop we took a pregnant pause there before we did a final push into baghdad and then once we get into baghdad we turned around and went into a town called anajaf and we were there for a while before we went what, back out through what Kuwait. was your what was your thoughts going in for the first time um, knowing you're the first troops knowing you're yeah. the first ones across the lines like what are your thoughts what are you thinking uh, well, the first the first phase in the buildup, there's a bunch of different course of actions that, that they went through, and they were uh, we were planning on doing a mass airborne operation into Baghdad. That was the original thing that was briefed to us, where we were going to fly over, they're going to knock out as much air defense as they could, and then we're going to fly over and basically jump with the entire Ranger Regiment into Baghdad. Baghdad, it was Saddam International Airport at the time, yeah. which we converted to Baghdad International Airport. But we estimated the casualties were going to be fifty uh, percent or higher on that. So you on fully, the uh, which side? US the invasion. Side? Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we thought because there wasn't a, there wasn't a place in that airport that a sixty millimeter mortar couldn't reach uh, that we would we wouldn't be able to completely eliminate from the equation. So yeah. we felt that there was going to be a ton of indirect. Then it kicked back into this other plan where we were coming in from the south, um, and. Your expectation is uh, we have 12 guys on the team. We're expecting six of us to be dead. Um, so you, you, you have some really, really heavy thoughts where you're like, you're, hopefully I'm not. US. So it is you're, the U.S. You're, thinking, you're saying you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're oh, expecting shit. that we're going to have 50% casualties on the first wave. Jeez. So you're um, going in like we're, like we're, we're either me or one of my guys here. 100%. So you have to, you have to deal with 
the mortality question like in a very significant way but once you cross that hurdle psychologically and you say okay well i'm already dead so if you just commit yourself to being essentially dead already uh everything gets a little bit easier yeah um but then we didn't hit as much uh resistance even close to what they estimated so you kept waiting for it yeah. like when is the big foot you know when, when is the shoe gonna fall so to speak did that keep you guys on your toes the majority oh, of the time yeah, yeah. you were you were always i mean every day you were expecting like this thing's going to really kick off. Um, and then you're stopping and you're dealing with essentially nuance on the yeah. way up because the big, you know, the big military machine, it's, it's an incredible, like it's to be part of that in, in an invasion. I was going to ask you crazy. that. That's got to be an insane feeling because if you're the tip of the spear, you know, behind you, you've got a lot of firepower And it's wild. I mean, when you see it and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how heavy you want to make it, but when you see it, 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 it feels like godlike power. Yeah. It, you don't understand how powerful the entire military force really is until you see it being utilized at a, at a percentage. And it's not even a hundred percent. Yeah. You're not a hundred percent. It's only not, a little, but it is wild because it's <clears throat> so, I mean, it's, it's dark, Yeah. but then the sky is completely light like it's daylight and everything even, is going off even at everything night. yeah even every it's just daylight so you're because you're firing from one side and things are coming in from the other side depending on what's happening and everything is bright and it's wow. fucking loud and it is so big it it's something i can't really describe because it's a feeling it's it's like experiencing the grand canyon for the first time with explosives that's how big it is it's so big you have no comprehension how big it is we we my wife and i were watching lone survivor last night mm -hmm. and she was asking me the question like why why did they just get dropped off and like you yeah. know yada yada and i'm like well here's the thing Normally, if they run into a situation, they call for air support. And, you know, at the end of the movie, you see that. And I'm like, do you understand when you're fighting with, like, 15 people against 15 people, when you call in an Apache or a Chinook or a Blackhawk, like, it feels exactly what you're talking about. And you see that in the movie, too. You're like, holy shit, okay, they're here. And then they just fucking rain down. Yeah. And I, I, that's that's the question I have. But that's like, just what one, that? that's one kind of QRF. They've got ground oh, QRF, sure. too, right, where yeah, they're yeah. coming in and... and yeah, so which I think they did at the end of the movie. They yeah, have the ground yeah, yeah. QRF come in to get him, but it's insane. Before yeah, it's, before we get into the details of that, I have a couple questions that I want to ask before I forget. What's the best or your favorite place you've ever been besides home? Oh wow! Well, I mean, I have to recognize home. I think uh, Northern Idaho is unreal. It's it's the most beautiful place on earth, yeah. and I, I've seen more than my fair share of the planet. Uh, just so i mean it's just so incredible so i mean i love the united states i i really and it's not me saying that it's like dude i love this place like everything about it is it's just incredible i mean if you go down to to you know eastern texas and you look at some of the stuff down there you go all the way north to idaho like this place is amazing but outside of that um if i were really kind of searching everything i've been to a lot of really bad places that was just my next I, question <laughs> i've been yeah. to a lot of really bad places but the okavango delta in northern botswana is amazing it's incredible it's green it's lush it's beautiful it's full of animals you know you got zebras and giraffes and 
rhinos and you've got these huge animals that don't exist anywhere else and they're magnificent they're they're so incredible you're looking at them going i can't believe this it's like walking around a place with with dinosaurs basically and it's so different than anywhere else i would probably say uh northern northern botswana the okavango delta is probably the most do you live in utah now yeah yeah i live here in salt lake so if all these cool places in lewiston like you know northern idaho saying it's the best what keeps you here uh i mean i i i love this place like i mean there's so many different things i like about utah because of the convenience of the mountains like they've got great schools they've got a great community i mean you guys live here you you know how incredible this place is because there's one it's a red state two they have incredible family values they've got good schools they don't broker in woke horseshit which is a huge and important thing to me i can't i just can't do it like it's it's I, my, I don't want my kids to be like exposed to it in like any way. So I think the values of Utah and the terrain, combining those two with the third aspect is it's so easy to get in and out yeah. of here yeah. um, that it, it, it doesn't get much better. It's, you know, Northern Idaho is out there. Yeah. Like you you got to take a connection anywhere you right. go. And, you know, I can hunt elk here. I can... Now I can go fly fishing and hunt elk. I can go skiing with the kids and they can be raised in a great community with, with family values. My, my neighbors are some of my best friends. Like they are some of my best friends and they're LDS and I'm not, and they know it. We're playing ping pong in my garage till midnight and I'm hanging out with everybody. They've fully integrated me into the neighborhood. You know, thankfully they're like, this guy's not too much of a you know, <laughs> dickhead. So I, I love the community and I love the people. Yeah. Like that's what I love about this place. More than anything, it's the people. Yeah. It's good people. Yeah. A lot of ambition here. Yeah. Um, and you know, they call it the crossroads of the West. Like you were saying, it's so easy to get in and out of here. Yeah, and every so time easy. you turn around, there's a new direct flight leaving from here to somewhere. Right. I just saw today that Hawaii, Hawaiian airlines is starting to fly in here. Oh, seriously. Um, yeah. So there's, it's just nonstop, yeah. but we are limited on how much we can grow because we're this tiny sliver yeah. of land wedged between the great salt lake and the mountains right. so real estate's at a premium obviously but yeah this is home and we love it too yeah. the other question i had was shittiest place most apocalyptic place you've ever been uh mosul 2009 where's that where uh northern iraq it was the most dangerous most dangerous city in the most dangerous war environment in modern history and it looked like what i would imagine dresden might have back in world war ii it was post-apocalyptic bombed out buildings you know militias is it still like that now uh i I don't know what the state of mosul is uh right now today uh i know that we've 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 definitely well we i shouldn't say that the iraqis and in in connection with us we pushed out uh most of the radical factions that were connected to isis um but that place was not even close to stable it was it was the most um desperate place i've ever seen how long were you there i was there for about two years so uh off and on in and out for just a a, a, a year and a half give or take like you know three three four months on you know 45 days off three more three four months on and just go in and out in and out um and you know, and it's, and it's the, the, the birthplace of civilization. I mean, uh, the Nineveh, which is, you know, you guys were familiar with Nineveh, I would imagine, because it's, it's very biblically specific. That's there in Mosul. Oh, okay. And so Saladin, the warlord, had raised 
his 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 tribe to go overthrow Jerusalem at one point all the way through there. Uh, Samara, which is right there, it's historically very relevant or relevant. Uh, in in two years' time, I'd gone from like Nineveh to Jerusalem to in uh, Jerusalem to Rome, and I'd I'd gone from like Bethlehem for midnight mass. Um, I went to the Vatican for midnight mass. So, and I went to all these places and I just so happened to be there on that date. So I was like, let's go. Yeah. Went to the church of the Holy Sepulcher in Jerusalem. Uh, I was lucky enough to be there, Bethlehem there, yeah. Rome at the Vatican. I'm not Catholic, but it, participating in that event yeah. is pretty, cool. pretty fucking wild. Does the, does it feel different over there? You know, they, they refer to it as the, as the Holy land. And obviously it's got its fair share of problems. Is there a different feeling there? Uh, meaning, I don't know if you can explain, you know, what a spiritual feeling would be in yeah. being, but you've been to holy places, oh, yeah. been to places that are, that are reverent. Does it feel that way still? Or does it feel just too chaotic now with all the, no, uh, I, it, you can feel the gravity of civilization is what I call that's it. Cool. Okay. Like that's what you can feel. It is so old and so significant. It's so emotionally relevant. And this right. is coming from a guy that's not, not Catholic. So for me to have gone to some of those places, Bethlehem had gone to the, you know, literally the church and uh, church of Holy Sepulchre and then looked where they estimate or the, you know, when I say they estimate Christ was crucified, uh, there's no way you can't be completely overwhelmed with the energy that's there. It's just, it is. And uh, it, it's, and then you go to Rome and it's huge. Yeah. It's everything is huge. Everything is beautiful. Everything is like historically relevant. So it's a different type of gravity. It's yeah. like you can feel the emotional significance in both places, but you, gosh, you can feel it. It is wild. Yeah, it, cool. it feels like you're being like sucked into a, um, a spiritual force field or something. Right. Yeah, cool. For sure. So you can understand why people are so passionate about oh, yeah. their land. And stuff. Have you, you ever heard of the unmovable ladder? Huh? It's in the, um, it's in Jerusalem and it's in the, the main synagogue there. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what the name of it is. But essentially, it's a perfect just example of what's happening over there. Back in the 1700s, um, God, I got to remember the name of It's the main spot in Jerusalem, the main synagogue. Um, but anyways, back when, you know, there that's kind of the 1700s is when all the religions kind of started to fraction. Right. And kind of, what's what I'm looking for? Fraction? They started to... Uh, the, they, they, they started to split and started, you yeah. know, you get your, the Jews and the Christians and the Arabs. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, um, that was right during the time, I think there was five different religions and groups that all kind of claimed that as their holy land. That was their right. spot. And, but it's only one place yeah. trying to be shared by five <laughs> very passionate groups. Right. And so when that happened, when they decided to split it into five different, you know, to share it between five different groups, they made a rule saying that nothing can be changed or done in that uh, synagogue and in the Holy land there without the approval of every single all all, with all five. And during that time, there was a construction worker working on a ladder up in a, on a window. And, um, it happened right then. And so he finished his work, got down, left the ladder and nobody's been able to move the ladder ever <laughs> since because it takes all five groups to agree that the ladder can be moved. So it's like this symbolic yeah. thing that wasn't, they didn't set it up to be that way. It wasn't set up right. to be like some, some symbolic thing, but it's, it's uh it's a huge thing. So you go Google, it's a picture of a little wooden ladder just <laughs> leaned up against a building and it's been there since the 1700s and nobody can touch That's it. Nobody crazy. can move it because wow. nobody will agree on it. So it just shows you, just how chaotic it is over yeah. there. They can't even agree on moving 
an old ladder out of a, right. out of a holy building. Um, and so I can only imagine, I've never been there, but I can only imagine the, uh, you know, the pressure that you guys were under because you guys are coming in as this foreign force Oh yeah, and you're not welcome and you're just ready to, you know, kick ass and take names. But then that didn't happen the way that everybody thought it would. No, you kicked a lot of ass, but yeah. it's like, you just had to kind of, it's like you wanted this big, like you were saying, you were waiting for it to kick off. Yeah. And it never really quite kicked off. It just kind of kept going. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It went through different phases. So you had the conventional military, uh, defeat, which was the Iraqi army and the Fedayeen. So you defeated those guys. And then what happened was there was a lull, which I like to call things pregnant pauses. And so you're, you're sitting there in a team room for us and we're watching CNN and they're talking about looters. And we're like, dude, the, this is not looting. This is, this is going to go kinetic and it's going to go kinetic real fast. These guys are building and preparing to push back in an unconventional war. Talk about the radicals. Yeah. yeah. And, but they, you know, that, that's the disconnect between policymakers and the people on the ground. There's a big disconnect and there's a big disconnect between the people running the war, which would be generals and the guys fighting the war, the guys on the ground. Yeah. You know, guys like me, we, we were, we were feeling it. We could see it changing. We could, we could, you, you know, you, you could collect your Intel, you could talk to multiple people, you could develop your sources, you could do all these things. And you're like this, what they're saying on TV is not what's happening here. This is really going to get crazy. Right. I actually, this, there's this cat, um, Muqtada al-Sadr, which was a, a cleric that we ended up fighting later, like two years later, we actually had this meeting with him early on. And we we're like, this guy's a bad dude. We need to go kill him. And the is that State how Department kind of goes. Oh yeah, you just yeah. kind of go. This guy's a bad dude. We need to kill him. Kind of. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. ask for permission, and they're and like, yeah, sounds go. good. Or they, you know, tell you to go kill. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. like, but works both ways. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I mean, think this guy's a bad like, guy. Like, you just make the decision, <laughs> yeah. and then you go. Yeah. And uh, and the State Department said, no, you can't do that. Like, we're we're just not going to let you do that. So we're like, but this guy's going to be really bad. And he turned out to be one of the one of the worst guys uh he was backed by the iranians he was a shia very prominent cleric and uh, uh about two years later it took uh a multi-unit conventional force to go and get this guy and completely eradicate him out of uh out of Sadr, which you know i'm not muqtada al Sadr, Sadr city uh, but then they end up fighting street to street to get this guy out. So that's just a perfect example of we knew from day one right. when he had like 40 guys when we could have just gone and kind of cleaned him up and moved on with our life. The State Department policymakers had this idea that we we're still going to be able to work with them. And it's like these guys were built, you know, they, they, they dealt with theory. They didn't deal with reality. It's like right. sometimes disconnect between the contractor and the architect is kind of that, a thing. Is that disconnect still happen now? It's less because we gotten you've, at it? We, we've gotten better because you've had those guys grow up like yeah. me. All my friends now, you know, I just went out to one of my buddy's uh, um, funerals and I met with a, about a hundred different guys that I served with over the course of several years. And, um, you know, one of my, one of my buddies is a general now. So it's like, we went to selection and we went to everything together. He's a general. So it's like, yeah. he's in charge. Well, he was carrying a rifle just like me. So he, he knows kind of tactical ground truth and it is getting better in it, or I should say it, it got better. And then now all those guys are retiring and getting out. So now we're going to go through the You're same phase. The same shit yeah. Again. Same shit. So 
you guys had an opportunity. This is one thing that would really frustrate me about being, you know, a soldier, you know, serving the country is you have an opportunity to solve the problem. It's right in front of you. Everything makes sense. Logic's there. All your ducks in a row. You can't get, you can't get the green light. No. And you know, the ROEs are just like, unless you've got somebody shooting directly at you. And even then, if you, I mean, it's just insane what they put our troops through as far as, um, dude, you just get these guys all ready to go in and, and solve this problem. And then you tie their hands. Yeah. How <clears throat> I had, I actually wondered this yesterday when we were watching that, uh, the lone survivor, because their first argument is ROE. Yeah. Like, Hey, what are rules <laughs> of engagement for these three guys that just showed up? They're going to blow us up. Right. And I guess for those who are listening, ROE means rules of engagement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, how often are you down there? And you're like, if we listen and do ROE, we're going to be dead and you throwing it or disregarding it. ROE for the most part, it's functioning and it's in it's in place and you kind of know the rules of the road. So you yeah. just kind of function based off those guidelines, but there's multiple different gray areas. Just like, just like a lot of things there's, there's, there's gray. Yeah. And so it's how you, how many reps do you have seeing the problem yeah. that allow you to solve it in the gray area without committing a war crime or going to jail. Say, that, that's the like, difference between being court-martialed and yeah, not, right? It's, it's, it's the difference between, uh, you know, guys getting in a lot of trouble and yeah. ending their careers or ending up in jail or, uh, you know, staying in the fight. You know, a good example is uh, several years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, there was a guy, he's a bad dude, and he, you know, he, he was molesting kids. And one of the officers went out and literally... They beat the shit out of him. He was then, uh, he was in the military. Yeah, and then he got rung up on charges. The officer and, did. Yeah the the guy the guy that did it that beat up the the Afghani and that's a good example as to like you know what's right, but he wasn't shooting at you. Why right. did you take action? Right. So it's it's well, you and I happening. both. What happened to him? He ended up coming back. I think he was court-martialed, and I forget exactly like the entire premise of or what happened to him in his professional career. But everybody was like, "Yeah, we know these guys are bad. Like they're they're really bad. They just like there's some guys are are, are they're evil, and we know they are." Yeah. And when you restrict people from doing what's right and what's aligned with you know our ethics and morals and what we think is culturally correct, and then what's legal a lot of times as things contradict yeah, and or yeah. they come they come in direct collision with one another and it's complex i mean humans are very complex yeah. so uh, humans you, are complex by themselves and then you insert religion yeah and then all of a sudden they've got motivation to do whatever their crazy belief is or whether it's you know it, it may not be crazy to them but they've got this just divine motivation to push them to do these these crazy things that they're doing and that that's um I wanted to ask you a little bit about, we haven't talked much, like he was saying when we started about, you know, current events and politics and stuff on the show. Um, not that we're against it, but I think it's a good opportunity for me to pick your brain on what's currently happening. Oh, man. Is this scary? Yeah. I, Hold I on, mean, before you answer that, <laughs> how much intel do you have to that answer? Um, not a, I mean, not a lot, because, you know, I mean, I roast coffee now, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's. But you have a lot of friends. I do. Yeah. I've got, I've got friends. You know, I think, I think there's two problems, right? It's like people see the problem at home where you've got, you know, I think you've got 
failed ideologies, which are, you know, socialism that becomes an issue here at home. And they're struggling to figure out, you know, where's, where's their purpose? Where's there's meaning? How do we maintain our constitutional freedoms? And then also not broker and socialism and or communism, right? Because there's a lot of guys to include myself that think that failed ideologies such as that need to be flushed down the international toilet. (laughs) So yeah, that's just, pure and simple. Yeah. And then you also have, you know, the, our, what I would say is our direct economic and strategic enemies, China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, uh, they're directly benefiting from this chaotic circus internally and they're manipulating technology. You know, it's an information war, right? They, right. they directly benefit from causing the chaos and the confusion and the, the, the argument between us. And then when you take into to account Ukraine and um, Jerusalem, and, I'm sorry, Israel and, and the Hamas situation, you've got a very complex strategic issue, uh, both militarily and both economically, right. uh, because you also have to look at the national debt. I mean, we're at $34 trillion and less than, uh, I think in less than the next decade, we'll be paying more on debt service from the taxpayer and budget perspective on that debt than we are in military. So you, you, it's a sideshow distraction that our our strategic enemies are directly benefiting from. So when I look at little things like, should we be investing in foreign wars? Um, you know, that's, that's complex just to say the least, like it's super complex because Russia is not a friend to us, but but if you were, if you were to, I don't want to say layman, but if you were to, in layman terms, what's the answer for you? Invest in home. Yeah. Okay. Invest in home. 100%. That's what I wanted to hear. I just Protect wanna, the borders, I, invest in our home, build the infrastructure, educate our kids, pay our debt down, fucking make sure we maintain sovereignty. Could I 100%. dumb it down and ask an even dumber question? Because I see some like buddies get like super worked up on this stuff and go off on Facebook and Instagram and see all the rants and stuff. And my question is, is okay, so focus on home, right? But what about like the average family with all this stuff going on, I mean, is there anything anyone personally, like a guy like me could really do? Or what do you do? Do you, do you focus on it? Do you not focus on it? Can you help? Is there not a damn thing you can do? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, that's a problem too, because you know, there's a huge distrust in mainstream media, right? So where, where do we find real information? Where do we get real facts and objective criticism that isn't you know, spun and put into some echo chamber where we're just regurgitating information. It's really hard. It's chaotic to even understand the problem well enough to say, this is kind of what we need to do. So I, I try to simplify it to like, we can affect like we're truly like this much, right? Like, Like I can reach out and touch you. I can talk to you. So it's work on the things that you can affect here locally, you know, are, are we talking to the, are we talking to the school boards about, Hey, we don't want wokeism in our schools. We don't want these failed ideologies. We don't want this. Like, how can we have, how can we directly affect the stuff like right here in our backyard? And I think that has a force multiplying effect because the more people that are being engaged locally, the more people that are banding together in the sense of like, these are our things that we believe in. These are American values. We're just not going to capitulate on these. Then we get the right representatives and through representatives i i think we can ultimately affect change what's cool is it's one thing to say that 
it's a whole different ball of wax for that to actually start happening. Right. But I think it is in, in very small ways, you know, wokeism is starting to finally become, you know, seen for what it really is, which right. is a disease. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's not real. It's not healthy. It's not, it hasn't done anybody any good. All it's done is just take the country and divide it even further than yeah. we already were. I mean, essentially, you know, wokeism, it's almost like we resurrected like the racism of the fifties and the sixties. Yeah. It's just yeah. not about the color of the skin as much anymore. Right. They don't want, they want to throw it out there every once in a while because racism is a powerful word. It's, we want to call you a racist. That's like the ultimate, like, you know, for them, that's their ultimate weapon. Right. Um, but are you, uh, do you tend to be more optimistic or, or more pessimistic? I'm optimistic because I believe in America. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm forever optimistic and I try, I refuse to be pessimistic because I also live in somewhat of an echo chamber. Right. It's right. like, I, I get, I hang out with guys like Andy Stump and Mike Glover and, you know, I get to spend time with you guys and, and we, I'm like, there, there's a lot of America. <laughs> there's yeah. just a lot of America. I was just, you know, down talking to Joe and, and I mean, he's got the largest podcast in the world and he believes in America. Right. He thinks this woke shit is dumb. Yep. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, he believes in, in, in freedom. He believes in, you know, I, I've been saying like, I, I love radical freedom i love being radically free i, I think agree more responsibility more autonomy more freedom dude I, nobody's ever gone wrong with that i don't no. think like i'm not i'm not talking about anarchy but i'm saying more responsibility on the individual citizen that has values yeah like gosh man we i i don't want to sound so excited about it but i'm like there's a lot of us out there that love this country and truly admire the future and say i think we can get better i mean there's just no doubt that we can't, we, we, we can't elect better presidents. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, that what, guy, what is like that, happening? That's like a mall mannequin up What's there. Like, what? <laughs> He's I, being it's, dressed it's every day. Ass backwards. It's so <laughs> off that I don't, I, I look at the situation and I try to be objective a lot. I, I look at it and I'm like, what am I missing? What right. are we, what are we <laughs> what thinking? Dude, that's what, what I, are we I've, missing? I've watched the last two weeks of his interactions with people. And I thought to myself, where the fuck are we at right now? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I've watched I it, and I feel like I'm pretty unbiased. I'm like, you know what, man, whatever. But I watched some of that shit and I'm like, holy shit. And you, and I'm not the same as him, but to answer your question, I think, cause I asked that question a lot. Like, okay, I'm going to worry about the war. There ain't shit I'm going to do about the war over in Israel, but there are things I can do here. One of which the most important thing, the only thing I really care about is solidifying and protecting and providing for my family mm -hmm. and my people. And, th and that's a pretty big reach, right? I that's think I really yeah, focus on. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I think to answer that question for those people who are like, cause there's so many people that are so wrapped mm -hmm. up and like, well, what do we do over there? I'm like, shut up. What are you doing right now yeah. in the things you have control over? Are you good with a weapon? Are you making money? Are you saving money? Are you able to provide for your family if shit goes awry? I think if you solidified your family more, the better and stronger yeah. we would get as a country. Yeah. I think that's the answer. It's yeah. it's self-aid buddy aid in the military. It's like, take care of your shit so you can take care of other people. Exactly. Right. And it's like, if you got a strong family, like if you got to, if you got to be strong, right? Individually, you got to be strong to be a strong father, to be a strong leader to your family. You got to be connected with your kids. You got to be growing like proud, great kids. Yeah. And if you're doing that, like, I think you're doing the exact thing that you need to be doing. But if you're like, you know, 
blowing a bunch of time reading a bunch of gaslighting on the internet versus like reading your daughter's stories or your kids. Like, man, that's a waste. Yeah, you're you're just flushing that shit down the toilet. I think, honestly, I'm probably in trouble for saying this. I'm still going to say it. I think that wokeism is a lack of confidence, period. I think those who are woke, quote unquote, have zero or very small confidence. And I think those who are really strong in their confidence are not even close to that ideology. And so if we're talking as a culture, as a whole, America, what can I do? Well, I can raise, teach, and preach how to become more confident to my children, to those around me, to my friends, to my family, because the more confidence you have, I think the less you think that ideology makes sense at all. I think you've got a... you know, if you take a group of 10 people who are self-proclaimed woke or liberal, you're going to find a very mixed bag of people because you're going to find people that truly, truly, truly believe that love conquers all. And they believe that just love. And that's a, I think that's a smaller percentage of them because people who actually believe in love and actually practice love um, don't act the way that you know, some yeah. of the groups are acting. But then on the other, on the far end of that, you've got people who they just don't know where they fit in. They don't yeah. have, like you said, it's that, that lack, that of confidence. lack of confidence. It's that, it's that same person who never kind of went out and found that core group of friends or that core thing that's their anchor. Yeah. And so they needed something. Yeah. And so why not just go out and latch on to the biggest thing that everybody's talking yeah. about? The group. So, yeah, yeah. The thing about that group, though, is I think it's smaller than everybody believes it is. Yeah, I do Just too. because they're the loudest, right? Yeah. Um, they make a lot of noise. And, and uh, it's just been refreshing to see. And it's really only been the last, and from what I've noticed, the last year or so yeah. where people are just like, no, no, we're, we're, we're not, not doing, doing that shit anymore. Like, no. yeah. and, and even, even the people that were, you know, self-proclaimed woke, there's a lot of them that are just being like, yep, no, we're going to like, yeah. like the mask thing that they're starting to talk about bringing back. And everybody's right. like, listen, you already <laughs> fucking pulled that card. I'm not doing that's, that. That's shit another, again. that's another dude. There's, there's things that happen. Do you think people feel dumb now? Oh yeah. If but people just are don't being honest, yeah. if they didn't do what we did and I would say we as the people here at the table, cause I pretty much know everybody here. Yeah. I don't think any of us were like, yeah, man, let me throw on a mask. <laughs> But those who did, who blindly were like, I don't know, man, it's just so scared. I think those people are looking back going, holy shit. Do you guys remember what 2020 was? We looked stupid as hell. But there's also a good portion of those people that are doubling down. Oh, yeah. 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 They're already Uh, in this bar. They're on their ninth booster. (laughs) Yeah. They're not going to turn back because they're, they've committed (laughs) not only their, their beliefs and their, you know, relationships and friendships, but they've committed their health. How many boosters are you in? (laughs) I did not take the vaccine. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, I, 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 I approached the vaccine. <laughs> I, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I approached, just kidding. <laughs> I approached the vaccine joke. the same way that I did it. Do everything. Just come kind of from a, I want to see all angles. And if this is good for me, then for sure. I'm not yeah. going to resist just to resist. Yeah. Yeah. Just because somebody's telling me to do it and I don't want to do it. I'm not just going to not do it for, for that sure. reason. I'm going to yeah. look at it and say, do I need this? What are the facts? But the problem is nobody, well, not nobody, but a lot of people didn't do that. They just... No. You hear it on the news, you hear it on the radio, and it's like, well, that's got to be it, right? It's got to yeah. be gospel. And so we've all kind of been led into this weird little, it just, it blows my mind that they got not just a country, not just a group of a people. world. They got the entire world yeah. to sign up for this. How do you do that? I, I don't know, dude, yeah. but that was crazy. And I'm like you, I, I will look at every situation. Listen, I'm not anti-mask. Now, I'm not going to wear one. But if, if I was sick right now and I was out in public, I have no problem wearing a mask because I don't right. want to get everybody sick right. yeah. outside of that. So when people are like, I'll, I'll die before I wear one. No, no, no. I don't mind wearing a mask, especially if I go to the hospital and my grandmother's sick. It has to make sense. That's why when you talk about people feeling stupid, none of that shit made sense. That's why you should feel stupid. 
That's, yeah. that's you know. So let me ask you another question, okay? Because you have the group, and obviously I feel the same way you guys do, right? But should I be screaming it on freaking Instagram and Facebook, or what's the answer? You know what I mean? Do you keep your I, peace and your happiness? Dude, I think yeah. the or answer— Or do you scream it because, you know, you don't want to be the the the— majority that's quiet. I think the answer everyone is calls be me the, a pussy the, for not talking. Oh. Do you be, know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you, you, you're not standing up. You didn't do what was right. It's like, right. okay, well, does does that make me wrong or is it happier for me when I just live a good life and raise good kids? But that's yada, the answer, yada, yada, yada. though. That's, that's to be the example yeah, is so. the actual answer. Like when people look at you and you're like, I'm not screaming Hamas or Israel. I don't give a shit about that. It doesn't affect me at all. And I'm living a beautiful life. I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't know what your life's about, but my life is wonderful. And I'm being that example yeah. again, like, dude, it's being the example. Um, this is a scary question. And it's something that has always bothered me. Do you think in your lifetime we'll ever see foreign troops on us soil? No, no fucking way. No. Yeah. I'll tell you what that second amendment. Yeah. Prevents a lot of that <laughs> shit from happening, boys. God bless. Yeah. God <laughs> like, bless. When the there are more amendment. guns on the, in this country, thank God, yeah. than there are people, we've we've done something right. Because I'll tell you what, everybody is fucking terrified to take on that task. Right. Like they, they are. They should be. They should be. They, it, it would. It, I would, it would be afraid. Not to take like on that and, task. and so when you think about like the possibilities, like these guys aren't stupid. They know they can't do it. Right. So they have to manipulate information and get people to, uh, they, they have to fight from within. Yeah. They have to get us to fighting yeah. each other. They've done a hell of a job. They've done a Very hell well. of a job doing yeah. that. And that's why it's so scary when you look at things that are like, this just obviously doesn't make sense. What in the hell is going on? Uh, that's when you have to go, oh, red flag. This right. is just propaganda. Yeah. Okay, all right, well, I, I need to like, screen my filter for propaganda to add on to that question. Sometimes the most courageous act is just admitting you don't have an opinion. Right. I got no problem doing yeah. that. Like, yeah. No, I, you know, I like You that. don't have I, to have an opinion yeah. on everything. It's impossible yeah. to, you don't have a, you know, chat GPT sitting around in your head. You can't have a, all the information, all the data. It's not, it's not possible. Nobody can do that. I mean, some of the most sophisticated intelligence people in the world have this up how are yeah. we supposed to like have an educated opinion and weigh in on it and that's dude that's the greatest answer ever because the person who walks in the room that says hey i'm the dumbest and i don't know anything i'm just here to learn that's usually yeah. the one that knows the most yeah i will say this though this is a question how, how many of you have fantasized about there being troops on our land on one hand you, you know you you picture like the glorious, like defending my, my homeland and stuff like no, that. No, no, no. I'm not right. saying glorious. I would just love to see that happen. It just doesn't go like for that. For my though. own self. I know it's not going to happen, Yeah, but I'm just saying, listen, maybe I'm the only child at the table, but I would love, love to try out a few of my weapons. Yeah. Until, <laughs> until somebody sets off a freaking, uh, you know, suicide bomb at the grocery store and your wife and kids are there. I, I get it. I get it. I'm still telling you. I, I, I like have the fantasized idea being, yeah, no, I agree. about somebody coming over and me going, hey, Dave, uh, you fly, I shoot, and we're going to yeah, take yeah, out yeah. 150 today. Yeah. The problem yeah. is just things are never as no, I know. simple. This is a, like you said, this is a complex situation. What do you think between the, the Israel and, um, you know, the, the whole Palestine and the Hamas thing, where do you think this goes? Well, I think it, I think first and foremost, you have to classify it's Israel versus Hamas and Hamas has been deemed a terrorist organization. It's right. not the Palestinians. Right. Like it's like, they're, they're just, 
people. Like they're they're literally just people. So they're Hamas is a terrorist organization. Fucked up because of and it. Hamas is a failed government. Like that's the other thing. They are a failed government. They were voted in. A terrorist organization was voted in, and they failed. Um, and I think clearly being able to differentiate, like civilians in any time of war, should not. I mean, I know this is not a controversial statement, but civilians should just be left out. There's there's actually something quite beautiful to the way we used to fight wars where we would meet on a battlefield Line somewhere yeah. and fight each other and yeah. keep the civilians out of it. And But that was only in America. We didn't do that anywhere else. Oh, right? we did it in Europe too. Yeah, oh, yeah. we did? Yeah, the organized uh, uh, structured formation warfare. I mean, they did well, it. you never seen Braveheart? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, let's let's meet. You yeah, know, the, the clans come out uh, and they and they battle uh, like men. It, it it happened for you know a brief amount of time where there wasn't just like and there's always been you know obviously atrocities and people have taken over different cities and and people have been enslaved over those cities and armies have done uh, you know uh, what they're supposed to do for whatever dictator whatever whatever state or government over the course of history. So I'm I'm not naive enough to to say that, but. Civilians should always be mitigated at every cost because they're the innocent and we're all fathers, I think, here. So it's like I, I've seen enough violence to understand how it affects people regardless of, of what country they come from, uh, you know, where they were raised. Like seeing innocent people killed is, is traumatic, to say the least, for anyone. Um, and that's what happens. It's, it's impossible to fight a war inside a city with civilians where there is not city or, or civilian casualties. Right. Um, so where, where this goes one, you know, if we roll back the clock to the, it's called the Abraham Accords, which uh, Jared Kushner is, he was a, a Trump appointee. I think he did an incredible That's job Trump's putting that together. Too. Yeah. Uh, they, they did something unprecedented. They it is something that they've a century been trying to do. Yeah. They, they, that, multiple different administrations, professionally trained state department and what we'll call them the, the world's leading subject matter experts, supposedly, right? Yeah. They did something that nobody else could do. And all of that was essentially unwound with this new administration, but Which it was, was working. Um, well, I mean, they had Saudi Arabia that was willing to sign into uh, the deals with um, Israel and I'll, they'll do a kind of a summary where, they were stabilizing, we'll just say they were stabilizing the region and getting people to at least play nice. And that had never happened before. Uh, and, you know, with sanctions on Iran, they'd squeeze those guys down. They'd like, like got them, got them to the point where they were basically starving and not the country themselves, but the government. And they weren't able to support terrorist factions. Um, and, they brought people to the table so they could negotiate and solve things without war. And then new administration rolls in, blows everybody out and then blows up the Abraham Accords and then ultimately starts supporting uh, Iran again. And then now, now we're now that now the money starts popping back in because they, they don't benefit from that. Iranian, the Iranians really want to see a destabilized Middle East. And they always want the scapegoat, which is don't look at our government. Look at what's happening over there. Yeah. Like, don't look at us. Don't look at our failures because there might be an uprising. We might over, be overthrown and we might be out of jobs and our heads ultimately will be on the line. They don't want that. They don't want to be judged on their policies. They want to be able to point over there and say, what's ha look at what's happening over there. Look at what they're doing. And if they don't have that means in order to point 
over there at somebody else's country and the failures of somebody else and then point at big bad America, they're going to be held accountable. They're terrified of that. So I think, uh, I hope is that we'll get a new administration we'll get people back into the negotiation table. We'll get the right people. Abraham Accord is what you call it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. There's a, a good podcast that Lex Friedman did with um, Jared Kushner. Yeah, it was incredible, that. right? Incredible. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's funny because they recorded it. Um, they started the first recording before the attack on October 6th. And so they were talking about it. And then it was like a few days before the attack. Then the attack happened before he released the episode. So he had Jared come back in. And so it was like a two-part um, podcast talking about the first part is talking about like why the accords were good and how they could help blah, blah blah and then halfway through it cuts and it's like hey october 6th just happened and so it talks about how they're yeah. actually being affected it's incredible very fascinating yeah. one thing that this whole thing has taught me is more about that region yeah. um i'd be, I'd be honest with you two months ago i probably could have couldn't have spotted their jerusalem on a right. map uh, you know, pinpointed it. Yeah, yeah. You just Guilty. don't pay a ton of attention because it's right. obviously so far away, out of sight, out of mind. But I like I like where you're going with that because I agree that um, a new administration or just a, a new group of people, I hate to say administration because then it gets automatically linked to a party. The party yeah. system is the dumbest thing in the it's, entire it's world. It's dumb. It's it, dumb. It, it, it is primitive. It is yeah. a bunch of cavemen that are out there <laughs> banging <laughs> clubs around. I mean, dude, it is so dude, it, it, broken. It's like, it's like, I just put it like this. It's like, how much fun do you guys watch football at all? Yeah. Yeah. It's like if there are only two teams playing, right? Dude, are you serious? Yeah. Every Sunday we got to watch the same two teams play. Yeah. And every time a new, a new third team with potential starts rising up, they say, yeah. no, you can't, nah, play, you can't play anymore. Dude. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's so absurd because I, I think they're, they're equally despicable depending on that's what why, day it is. That's like, why I say I'm not man, right or left. Don't put me on either one of those. Dude, I don't, you know, I used to, I, I like to tell people, you know, like, you know, I'm a conservative just because I think less government better. That's, right, yeah. that's kind of the default. I'm like less government better. That's yeah, always, I, I'm, I'm that guy. That's how I default. Like I'm a conservative. That doesn't mean I'm a Republican, no. by the way. It just yeah. means I'm a conservative and yeah. I adhere more to constitution than I do a party. That's kind of the way I do politics. So less government, less taxes. Yeah, that's all I ask. Less government, better. I, I simplify it to the, the, the yeah. easiest sentence for me to comprehend that I can, yeah. because I just, Every time I see these guys and I, I hear them and they make these decisions and I mean, just the, the glaring effect of one is, you know, I invaded and spent the majority of my, you know, my twenties in a country based on false pretenses. Right. Like they said, there was weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They were connected to the, the terrorism globally. They were directly responsible for nine 11, you name it. It was just, it was just a fiction or a facade. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying what we did was, was wrong because I did, like we did a lot of right things over there, but I'm saying, uh, they were wrong. Right. Yeah. They were just blatantly wrong. And more importantly, we spent hundreds of thousands of lives in Iraq. We did thousands in, in, in we spent thousands of American lives in casualties. So the blood and treasure and the national debt associated with that, I, I I'm I'm on I'm on the statement of saying like guys I just don't think the way that we executed that was done well and I think COVID showed us everything we needed to know about government officials. Yeah, they're just not qualified. Yeah. <laughs> they're just not. They're just to make any real decision. No, I mean we saw how much power a mayor had, right? right. And it's like who who even knew they couldn't even name the mayor. Like who was the mayor before yeah. the 2020? You're yeah. like I don't know who the mayor is. I mean is that guy like or 
woman like are they important can they do anything like do they they might have like access to like a squeaky toy right because they can't do shit other than that no like they're shutting down cities like who is this person making decisions people were like well yeah we should defund the police what that's crazy yeah Yeah. i had no idea beetlejuice was the mayor of chicago yeah yeah right yeah yeah. um so what's cool for me is because i'm a I'm very optimistic. I'm probably overly optimistic in pretty much everything I do. Um, If you think back, picture our dads sitting around this table. Most, probably all of them would have said they were either Republican or they were like in a party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember my dad always talking about being a Republican and he was just so proud of it. It was just like, yeah, it was like a a chant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now you got another generation sitting at this table and we've all decided that that's not for us. And I think we all probably have the exact same beliefs, very kind of conservative, just stay in your own lane. Less government is better. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very liberal on some social issues. Like I want people to be able to have their freedoms and and I don't want to mess with them. Right. But don't mess with mine. Like don't, don't tell me what I can and can't do. But what's cool is, you know, 10 years ago, maybe one of us would have had those beliefs sitting at the table. Now, 100% of the people sitting at this table. So it, it shows that there's a shift. Um, how long that shift takes and which direction it goes, I don't know, but I like it. I like, yeah. I like that, that we're breaking down that, that system and people are finally realizing like, okay, this is, we're better than this. Yeah, We're better than this. And uh, the consequences, I think, finally became real enough where people were like, holy shit, like this is no longer just, I don't like that guy up in the office. This is like, I can't afford to feed my kids. Right. I, I am being forced to take a vaccine that could give me heart problems. Like people, the consequences finally became, and I'm not saying they're over yet. I think there's, we still got a rough road ahead of us a little bit, but, um, it is cool to see that people's eyes are being opened and, and on both sides of the table, you know, you've got people that are, that are very liberal and people that are very, very conservative. And I think that gap is starting to close up a little bit or it's starting to become, you know, commingled yeah. much, much more than it ever has been. And it gives me a lot of hope and a lot of promise because it's, uh, my kids got to deal with this shit. Yeah. That's man. You know, <laughs> I remember the day that hit me cause I've had kids. My oldest is 12. That thought never came to me until, um, I watched them go to elementary school and I would yeah. leave them and they'd be gone for the day. And I don't know what's happening. I don't know right. who's around them, who's influencing them. And you know, you start thinking about like, well, shit, that's just elementary school. Like, what happens when our kids go into the workforce? Right. What happens when our kids go out and like start their own families? What kind of shit are they going to have to deal with? And it's, uh, it's one of those things where I am, I've become extremely passionate about, I know that I'm not going to be able to make the world a better place for my kids because I can't change the world, but I can make my kids better people for this world. And that's my part. Right. Yeah. And so we start doing that and start paying attention to it. We just come from a generation where all of our parents were probably boomers, right? Yeah. Or maybe a little bit before that, but, um, they just had a very simple view of the world and the way right. things worked. And that was kind of passed down to us. And so we kind of went into this new generation of technology and communication and everything, but we had kind of our parents mindset. So I think there had to be that steep learning curve yeah. where we yeah. went from, that's black. That's white. You know, that's just very simple to that's a deep fake. That's not a deep yeah, fake yeah. like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a, I mean, hands always says this. It's what a time to be alive. I mean, yeah, it really yeah. is like, um, I, I, yeah, I like to compare this to other times in history. Um, if there's anything like that, that, that <clears throat> there was this much change this quickly. Right. And I can't think of any other, I mean, maybe like falls of, of some great empires. Um, but even then I can't think of a time in history when, 
things have been evolving so quickly. Right. You can be governor. Because so, I remember you, that was on your vision board. Yeah. Oh, seriously? Yeah. 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 I, well, I never, I don't, I don't want to be in politics at all. Right. But, but when I was on your vision board, when I was in fifth grade, I had this weird dream or vision or something that I was going to be governor. And it always kind of just stuck with me. Um, and so it's always kind of been in the back of my mind. And then I've talked to, I've told a few people about this and everybody that I've talked to is just like on fire about the idea. Yeah, yeah. And I've talked to some people in the state government and they're just like 1000%. Like that's your, that's your move. Don't know if it's going to happen. In fact, that was my question for you is politics anywhere on the radar? Leadership? Um, I'd you know, I used to, I used to think about it. Like I did. I used to think about it quite a bit. Um, Tulsi Gabbard's a good friend of mine. I love her. She's awesome. Like she's, she's so she's, she's been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, and I have a lot of people that I know in politics, uh, like a lot of them actually. Um, cause I was, I, I talked about politics a lot. I used to talk about it on my show quite a bit. And then I kind of steered clear cause I was like, wow, this is a quagmire of negativity. Yep. And yeah. what, what turned me to the other side in the context of, yeah, I was, I was really thinking, man, I want to go be governor of Idaho. That's, that's like, that's, yeah. that was kind of the thing. I was like, I'm going to go be governor of Idaho. And I went down and I talked to this guy, Rick Scott, um, who's governor of Florida and, uh, I have a lot of respect for him. He's a super bright guy. He built, uh, one of the largest healthcare, uh, companies in the United States in less than seven years. Wild. Wow. Yeah, wild. Uh, extremely intelligent. Taught him taught himself Spanish in like three and a half weeks or something. Like it was crazy. Like he's he's a brilliant guy. One of the best governors that the state of Florida has ever had. Um, and I spent uh, the evening and we talked a lot about what the job is. You know what it is. And he was like, it's the best job I ever had. And he's like, I've been the CEO of a company. I was now as the governor of Florida. He's like, I you know I I consolidated expenses. I reduced debt. I I did all these great things for the state of Florida. And then he went into Senate and, uh, <clears throat> he feels extremely duty bound. He's like, I, I need to save the country. I got to have my foot right here in the, in the voting booth every day to, to push back and save the country. But then my position on that was like, this is hard. This is gonna be hard on my family. Yeah. yeah. Like really, really hard on my family to the point of which like, your name, your reputation, even more so that just social media is going to be just run through the mud. Yeah, yeah. And I never want my kids to have to endure. Like it, there's, what is that saying? It's like, um, don't, don't make your kids the, the, the plight of their father. So it's something along those lines. Right. So it's like, I, I just look at my kids. If I, if I didn't have them or if they're a little bit older, I might think about it, but I think it's just too big of a cost on my family and I couldn't do it to them. How many kids do you have? Two, six and nine. Six. Oh yeah. So you got young kids. Yeah. I got young kids and, um, and I've been really busy the last 10 years. Like you guys are busy. I'm busy. You know, everybody's busy. And, and that's, that's my most prominent passion outside of like the company, like being able to spend time with my family and being able to spend time with my kids and plug in with them. My dad and I are really close. He's, you know, he's 76 years old. Like, and, like for me, the next, the next phase is, is like, it's going to be a lot of family to kind of sort everything out. And that's not me avoiding the question. Like, yeah, yeah I've thought about it, but like the one thing that keeps me from going hell yeah, chips in is yeah. dude, I don't want to put my family through that. Like, But you're not taking it off the table. No, I, I'm not. I, I think, um, you know, being party, that's the other thing is like, you got to be part of, 
part right. of a party. The Republican Party came came to me a while ago and they asked me if I wanted to throw my hat in. Um, and I was like, no. For nominee of? For here, yeah. Oh, for Utah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, I, I said, no. I just yeah. was like, no, absolutely not. Um, and... Uh, and it was a light, it was a light kind of like prod, but I was, I was not, not a chance. And, and I've just been fortunate to meet enough of these guys. Like I've been and this isn't me name dropping at all. Like, I don't want to sound like that. Like, Oh, I know this guy. And I know this guy. Cause that sounds so That's what I love about you dorky. though. No, you're very unassuming. <laughs> so dorky. But you're, you know, you are very well connected, <laughs> like, but you don't talk about it. Uh, Cause it just sounds so dorky, yeah. man. Like, I don't like that at all, but like being in around like like and this is gonna sound like a name drop i'm prefacing this but like don jr and i've been friends for a long time and i i've i fucking love the guy but i've seen how hard yeah. everything oh, has yeah. been like yeah. like man and i and as a friend just as a friend looking at your friend and going you know don takes that stuff and he takes it well i don't know anybody else that does like kind of and, and whether you like him or don't like him like hey man that's it's your opinions to have I'm, I'm not saying I agree with hundred percent of what he does politically and says politically, but he's a, he's my friend and you don't just fucking turn, right. turn tail and run from your friends. And I've just seen the stuff that he's had to endure. I'm like, wow, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. It is brutal. Like talk about the pit, like talk about pit fighting. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, you're burning your thumbs up on those blue check marks yeah. every day. Wow. Yeah, so. And I know, I know Don a little bit as well. And yeah. one thing that, that, um, it's just kind of sad for me to watch is you look at his social media and he has to live in this negative quagmire, yeah. like you were saying. I mean, yeah. he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. This is, this is, this is the, the hand that he was dealt because of his dad. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's probably a good example for you to watch. Like, Hey, you know, what happened with Trump happened to how it's affecting his son and, yeah. and his kids. That's a, you know, a, a, a you could be a mini example of that. Any one of us could, if we Anyone. join politics and, and what they, what it does to your family and your relationships and, it's just, it's, I like how Jocko answers that question. He says, he says, no, like absolutely unequivocally no, but he's like, but if I needed to, I would. Right. And so what yeah. is that moment? What is that tipping point where guys like that have to start getting the office? I don't know. Hopefully we don't have to get there. Hopefully we get honest people in there before then. Gosh, it would be a totally different system if we started really like selecting the people that didn't want to be in politics. They just felt they were duty bound, right, right. duty bound. You know, when you think about having virtue and you think about defining that through the, the acts of service and who would be best to represent us in that, like, uh, what was, I think Joe's making some joke about it where he's like, yeah, man, like, because it like everybody says like you know like cam haynes and joe rogan or something like that i was right. like god that would be awesome <laughs> wow. like how much how much fun would that be to watch oh, just dude. like yeah we're just gonna eliminate that entire thing like <laughs> just, we don't need that you know like yeah. gosh man it would be really really interesting just to see somebody that just didn't give a shit like i yeah. love watching elon musk and how oh, he's how great. incredible did you see him on that news barely, that news show where he barely, was like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting about the advertising the, yeah. the blackmail Fuck him. Yeah, he's yeah. like, yo, like, tell him fuck dude, off. I laughed so yeah, hard. Yeah. I, I I was like, thank God, man. Thank God there's a guy that is so above. So above. Like his IQ is so high and he's so wealthy. He's just like, fuck him. And then he called right. out the Disney CEO in the same <laughs> conversation. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, that yeah. is just epic. No, I love the way he handled that too because um, 
you know, the interviewer's like, well, what do you think that's going to do to the company? How do you think that's going to affect this and that? And Elon's like, let the world decide. Yeah. Because he knows, yeah. Elon knows that they're, the world is much bigger than this little political and, you know, high profile bubble that he lives in. And because, you know, he owns Twitter. Yeah. And so he understands, he understands what that looks like and he understands how trends work with, you know, the companies that he's built. So that's, that's kind of the way that I hope everybody starts to lean is, why don't we just let the world decide right instead of this group of, of people that have been empowered and, you know, have had their, their uh, position in office for 20, 30 years. It's politics. Shouldn't be a career. No, no, no. It shouldn't be a career. It should be, it should be a calling. Yeah. Um, and you know, you mentioned the LDS church. We're all LDS. One thing that happens in the LDS church is I'm sure you're aware uh, you got bishops, right? Yeah. Bishops don't run for bishop. The yeah. church just calls the bishop. They pick right. some poor dude who's who's <laughs> so, just doing his best yeah. to support his family. It's like, hey, you now are in charge of 400 people in this <laughs> yeah, neighborhood. Awesome. And he's just like, ah, but they're always the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot of good bishops out there because they're not guys that were out looking for it. They right. don't want to get nominated for that. They just got called and they got to do their job. It's a perfect example of, of what a good politician. And their term limits, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, seriously? They, yeah, they turn bishops bishop. over yeah. every four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's four years and then you're done. Done. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. See, I think that, I, I honestly, think that's the way it should be for a president it's like you get eight years and you're done right i also think eight that years all you have to do is just defund the whole thing are you saying get yeah. rid of the four-year term and make it a solid eight just, yeah one i, I get agree. one because, because four is not enough to do anything and because you get you, you get a you know we'll, we'll call it 18 months of actual no right. shit here i'm gonna work and then you're back you're back yeah. on the stump again you're out there trying to run for re-election it's a distraction. So it's like you get voted in, you yeah. can just work for eight years yeah. and you're done. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're not going to get reelected. That's it. It's, 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 you're done. You yeah. can go to work. I, I, I think that would solve so many and Hey, make it six, whatever, who cares? Right. Four whatever years is really is. not enough to get anything done by the way. Well, four years you can, there's, there's been a couple examples where guys have just really like, I mean, I, I was it, like, overly impressed with that that podcast with lex friedman yeah. and kushner because he outlined like they still did a ton of work yeah. with all the pressure i was like man that is incredible that how much work they did and he talked about that a lot yeah. too he talked about like yeah. my whole family's being attacked like you know trump's being indicted every other day yeah and he's like meanwhile i'm still having to put this thing together he's yeah. still having to and he, he did he stuck with it and focused with it and and that's the, the difference between somebody you can tell Jared Kushner doesn't want to be a career politician. No. He, he wants to be a problem solver. Yeah. Um, and so you get more of those problem solvers in the right places, but it takes a long time. Like you're saying, it takes, you know, six to eight years to build something good. Yeah. Well, it turns out we just found out how long it takes to undo yeah. a lot of good. Right. Yeah. I mean, Biden was slashing shit from, from <laughs> yeah. he got, he just, I'm, I'm actually so pissed off right now. He just got rid of like my favorite policy. He got rid of the bonus depreciation on their aircraft. So oh, Trump put it, put together a hundred percent bonus yeah. depreciation. So you can go buy a jet for $5 million and write it all off the first year. Um, Biden just reduced that down to 60% for some unknown reason. Just little things like that though, that show that like, how does that help anybody? Right. How, that doesn't help anybody. All it does is hurt people yeah. that were, that had found a way to make, you know, take advantage of that in a good way. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really frustrating to watch how that stuff happens. But if you, I think this is where, most people don't stop when they should. You see something, you get frustrated and you know, you realize there's not much you can do about it or you can, you can change it and you go and start like a petition or whatever. But most people just stay frustrated and stay upset. And they stay in that lane of just this negative feedback loop of, um, you know, I, I hate Trump. Well, now all of a sudden, 
Instagram and Twitter and all your algorithms are going to be feeding you the same shit. So you get stuck in this echo yeah, chamber yeah, yeah. that you can't get out of, even if you tried to. And then even when you do hear something rational or, or something true from the outside, you, you can't believe it because yeah. your whole personality, your whole world is based around, uh, this, this chamber that you live in, that you've created yourself. It yeah. is, it's pretty wild, man. It's, um, I'm learning a lot about psychology and what makes people tick and, and, when you see somebody who you think has it all together, um, which, you know, as you're younger and you're, and you're growing up, you look at the, the presidents and the congressmen and the senators and you're just like, these guys got right. their shit together. Yeah. And then when you start realizing that they don't, they're just like us, like literally everybody, everybody has got their fair share of demons. Um, and so then you start watching how these people are putting on a show. They become actors. Yeah. that's legitimately I think what most politicians are right now they're just actors yeah. um, they're out there playing a part because that's the part that their party wants them to play and they were they were you know put in this position to play that person rather than be the person that goes in there and say all right here's a stack of policies this one sucks we got to change this one we got to change this one that's not what they're doing no. they're just it's it's a yeah. uh, yeah, this is the most we've ever talked about politics on the show, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's the most I've ever talked about politics in my ever, whole life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, honestly, I think there's um, that's a good thing for us because that allows us to focus on things that we enjoy. That allows us to focus on being productive, which is why um, none of us really bark about politics too much uh, on social media. I think it's coming to the point where if we have to get involved and you right. have to start making like revolutionary changes, then obviously that's, that's a different, that's a different conversation, but um, it kind of goes back to the whole thing of staying in our lane. And yeah. that's one thing that you do really well. I don't know you that well. I know you through the podcast and stuff like yeah. that. And I followed your career and we, you know, like I said, we've been around the same people, but one thing that I've seen you do extremely well is you do what you're good at. And that, we talked about this in Moab. Yeah. I, um, I focus on core competency. That's what I do. It's like, right. Hey, you know, there's a couple things I'm, I feel like I'm really good at where I, where I provide a lot of value and I just like keep my head down and keep focused on that. To be fair, there's so many distractions, right? Like you, you could pull yourself off into a million different things and, and it degrades the value of your life. It yeah. takes me away from my kids and it, it makes me, uh, you know, a worse CEO. It takes away my capabilities to be a father. It takes away from my, my connection with my wife. Like the, the real things like, what what is that saying? It's uh you know it's it's easier to get a uh, camel through the eye of a needle than it is a rich man to heaven, and like the money that is associated with success is it's it's something that you can measure right. based on these are goals and objectives associated with my my endeavor in business, and then how I can grade myself as to how well am I am I doing my job. Right. But it doesn't tell you anything about if you're a good person. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't tell you if you have a loving family and a great wife. It doesn't tell anything about are you connected to your kids and are you building great people? It just says, I'm good at business. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, shit. I'm not saying it's easy. It's actually very difficult to be good at business. But I'll tell you the more difficult challenge is trying to be a great dad, a great husband and balance All business it, right. and people say you know your work-life balance and i'm like no dude what you're talking about is living a 
successful and fulfilling life. It's, right. it's yeah. not like if you're having to be told, like you, you got to turn down the volume on your work and stop, stop working 80 hours. You're probably doing something wrong. Like, yeah. I'm just saying like, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. So what excites you? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that excite me. Um, you know, I think, I think people are built to be creative. I think from, uh, just pure execution. Like I think we're miniature versions of, uh, God and creation. I think that's what I like about you is you have not lost that creative spark. You built black, black rifle, which took a lot of creativity. Uh, you, you went public, which is again, a lot of brain damage, a lot of creativity, (laughs) whatever, whatever you want to call that. Uh, But that's, that's typically, you know, the route that a lot of successful CEOs and business people they'll take. And then they just, that was it. Yeah. Have their accomplishment and they're, they're just gonna, they're gonna reap the rewards from that for the rest of their life and be happy. But, uh, you don't seem content just staying in that lane, not just not, I'm not talking about coffee. I'm talking about the lane of just having built a successful business. And, you know, I, I I asked you down in Moab, like, would you ever exit or sell? And you're like, then what? Yeah. Why go start another coffee company? I mean, (laughs) you're already doing what you love. Um, you can fine tune your position, which is what you're doing. Um, but it's one of those things where I, your creative spark is very visible. And I think that's probably why people are drawn to you because you're not out there making a ton of noise. You're not saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. I think people see that your integrity through your actions, rather than you saying, I believe this and this is what I'm going to do. You just do it. I, that's what I believe to the core, to the core of myself. I believe in leading by example. I don't find myself as a natural leader. I don't think of myself as somebody that this is my destiny in life. Uh, I go back to, uh, what, what I truly love is trying to accomplish very, very difficult things. And then doing that through the acts of what I would define as virtue. So if we look at, you know, wisdom, courage, prudence. Those are very specific things that I try to execute on every day. Uh, you know, try to make yourself a better person by learning as much as you can about whether it's fatherhood or business or, are those uh, actually religious. like loud, visible guardrails for you? Like on a decision-making basis? hundred percent. So you, yeah. you, when you, when you're, when you're approaching a big decision or a project, whatever it is, wisdom, Yes. integrity that stuff is there it's there it's there every day it's it's uh um it, it's it is the only way that i i i i know how to live my life and i'm not i i never want to sound preachy whatsoever it's i know that i and i go back to this 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 thing where your purpose right. like what what do you put on this planet to do i know what i'm put on this planet to do it's to become a, a good man yeah okay what does good mean Okay, I've defined that through, this is the way that I would define virtue. And then these are the corridors in which that I, I, I ultimately action those things. And I only know how to action, like action speak louder than words. Most of the time I'm not uh, a, an orator in the context of like, I'm not a great speaker. I, I, I do what I do for my, for my community. And we go back to the, why did I, why did I start a company? I started a company so I could pay my bills. Right. I love coffee. I want to pay my mortgage. That was it. Like I wanted to build a coffee shop, pay my mortgage and raise my kids within my small business. That's all I wanted to do. Spend time with my kids, plug back in with my family, be able to meet people every day from my community, give back and talk to people. That was it. I built the company to a certain point where I knew I could build something a little bit bigger and I could get back to my peer group. 
which is the global war on terror veteran community. Like I, I have a, a, a huge, um, moral obligation to them. Uh, I'm here. I got all my fingers and toes. I'm grateful for that every day. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better businessman. I hug my kids and tell them that I love them every day that I'm home more than I, I mean, I, you guys, I'm sure do the same thing, but it is so upfront and personal for me because I know that there are a litany of people that would trade me places like that. And I also know that there are lots of my friends that are not here today that would do that if they had the opportunity. So I'm extra connected. I'm doing it twice, three times, four times. I do it three times in a row. My kids are like, okay, dude, back off. I got you. You know, and, and these are the things like I've tried to do. And as we grew the company, I looked at it as like, I have this great and amazing place that I love. It's my family. And I go into this company that I build that I love with people that I fucking care about. And it, it perform a flywheel effect, which is I'm going from a place that I love to a place that I love. And then it spins faster and faster and faster. And then it creates inertia in the direction that you want to go. Oh, I like that. And that's what I wanted to build. Yeah. And then it was, okay, now how do we build a great company? And I didn't want to go public. Like I wasn't something that I was like, we got to go public because this is going to be good for my ego. I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I also knew if guys from my peer group could see that I started something in my garage that I went to the New York stock exchange in less than nine years, they could go start a business. They could emancipate themselves from their, their nine to five lives or they were miserable and they could look and they could look at me and go, well, that guy's not that smart. (laughs) I can do that. You know, like just lead by example, man. Like I I got to go out and sacrifice every bit of me to make sure that if people look at me and say, he did it, he suffered the consequences. I can do it too. And I can provide a force multiplying effect for other veteran entrepreneurs that want to go out and do the same thing. It's my moral obligation to the community to show people. And at the same time, uh, I got to get, I got to give back. So I've got to create a generator that gives back millions of dollars. And this isn't some, some, you know, like beating the drum. It's like, like I, I try really hard to, when it comes to the P and L, I look at this and it's, it's, it's now at 10 and a half. We gave back what, uh, just about $4 million this year to veteran related nonprofits. So between uh, cash, just straight up cash donations and coffee. And then next year it'll be more and next year it'll be more. And I don't put that out all the time. I'm not, you know, because I also don't want people to think that I'm rubbing it in people's faces either, because it's like, it's one of those things that I, I love it. It's what I built. This is what I want to do. And these are the things that I stick to. That's what I want. Um, so it has to be bigger than me. I got to give back to the community. I got to lead by example. And it's I, what I tell people is don't necessarily listen to the things I say. Just watch the things I do and say, if that dumb fucking do it, I can sure as hell do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I kind of follow the same, the same motto. I'm very much, uh, I don't want to talk about what I'm doing. In fact, yeah. it, it's, it's almost uh, to a fault. It is a fault for, uh, because I don't communicate very well. I just go and do. Mm-hmm. I just, just go start doing whatever it is that I feel like I need to do and, you know, hope people catch on. Um, and you know, there's a fine line. You got to dance there between giving people a heads up like your wife and, and people that are close to you so that they can at least understand 
if not, you know, support you. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard when a personality like yours and mine don't want to tell people what we're doing. No. Just, just want to go do it and, and want the best team possible to be able to make it happen. Um, do you have, um, do you have any sort of, what's the best way to call this? Um, let's call it a disability because that's a strong word yeah. such as ADD or inability to focus or uh, learning like short-term memory, anything like that that's ever recognizably. No, I, you know, I, I don't, not that I'm aware of any, at least I, I you know, I think, um, I, you know, ADHD is one of those things that, um, I think it's also overdiagnosed and, and wrongly diagnosed yeah. because I see a lot of men like, like us that probably, I don't know if you guys were ex- exceptional students. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, was. <laughs> I, I wasn't, like, I was labeled as ADHD. <laughs> Straight A's. <laughs> Straight A's? No. Really? Yeah. I, barely. I barely, barely got I, through. <laughs> I didn't fit into the academic category very well. I just didn't. But I got my, I am like just comparatively, I'm very driven. Yeah. Like I want to go out and just grind myself into moon dust on a regular cadence to do things. And I think ADHD is diagnosed because the kids like us that don't fit into the like sit down, wait for the bell, go on to your next class. If you didn't pick something up this way, the way the actual teacher was, was telling you to do it, you're, you're labeled as kind of a dummy. Actually, that's not true because if you put those guys under an IQ test, it's actually the fucking opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we need a guys like us and people like us. We actually need a separate way to educate us. I, I I firmly and 110% agree with this. Because I'm not good at regimented like nine to five bells and whistles. I am horrible at that. I'm actually horrible at having a boss. I knew I'd never fit in anywhere. Like I loved the job that I was in because I was like, you're going to give me a small team. We're going to go have basically like very unrestricted and uncontrolled chaos. And I've just got to solve really complex problems. Dude, <laughs> job in the world. sign me up. Yeah. That's awesome. And then I knew that I wasn't going to fit in anywhere else. I was like, I got to go start a company because I'm not politically correct. I won't be able to work in a corporate environment. Jeez. Okay. I've got to go do this thing. Yeah. And so to answer your question, I don't think so. Like I, I don't have a hard time at all. Like staying focused. I could read, I could read a book a day. It wouldn't, wouldn't bother me at all. If I'm interested in it now, I can't read things I'm not interested in at all. It sounds like, to me zero. like you you could potentially have ADD or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever that yeah, is. Yeah. But you have turned whatever that is into a superpower, um, and you've turned it into one of your greatest strengths. And that's one thing I've done too: attention, you know, span, and, and yeah. ADD. That type of stuff is something that um, I grew up with. All the doctors, you know, telling my mom that I had ADD. Really? Had ADD, and my mom was like, "No, no, no." Just ignored the diagnosis, and I'm so grateful she did because that never got put on Ritalin, right. or Prozac, or anything like that. And I was just able to. <laughs> to learn how to work with my creativity and I've yeah. learned, learned how to, you know, um, how to, when you, when you, when you're able to focus, well, ADD is the inability to focus, but right. really it's just the ability to hyper-focus yeah. and you can hyper-focus on something and I can, I can accomplish tasks in two hours that take somebody else two months. And you're the same way same. with, with the stuff that you've built. Um, in I, have, I have an infinite amount of energy for the things I'm into. Yeah, like, and I have to try to turn myself off. Yeah, I, yeah. I have to force myself to be like, okay, dude, disconnect. It, it, 
So I, I, to, to your point, but I have zero patience and I cannot do anything. That I'm not, on the flip side of I, that, you I, cannot force yourself know, to do something I can't, you want. I can't, I can't force myself to do it. It's, it's like a form of torture that is probably worse than like a Vietnamese prison cell or something. <laughs> but dude, it's I think that's a realization that a lot of people, um, especially in the older generation, like my dad, my dad was the same way. He should have been a car salesman. He, should, he was actually tra- trained to be a green beret. He was medically discharged. Um, oh, but he, uh, he had his dad who put a lot of pressure on him and you wanted him to be smart, wanted to go to school, do all that stuff. And so my dad, who literally would have been the best carny really? or salesman or whatever yeah. it is in the world, um, he felt this pressure from his dad. So mm-hmm. after he's medically discharged and he got better from, uh, you know, his cancer, he went and got a degree in manufacturing engineering and he hated it. But he felt like that's the path that he had to follow. So I think to your point of saying, the things that I'm really good at, I am really good at those and I've got infinite amount of energy and the things that I don't, I just don't. People think that that's wrong. I think right. we're, we're, we're brought up thinking that, no, you're supposed to follow this template. You're, here's what you're supposed to be excited about. Here's what you're supposed to, like this weird template is kind of defined who we're supposed to yeah. be because that's what our parents were and that's what the generation before them was. But I think the biggest and most powerful realization I ever had in my entire life was what you just said was that, if I like that, I'm going to be really good at it yeah. and I should probably pursue that. And, and I'm going to, you know, I feel like the things that I'm really good at, I don't have to put in any effort at all. Yeah. It just, it just happens. Um, Same. And so that's where, that's one thing that, in fact, you know what, that's going to be my, my checklist item for this episode is, uh, and I don't even know how to say this or how to get somebody to do this, but I think it, it would be make a list yeah. with two columns on the left write down all the things you enjoy doing all right. the things that you just love that just and this can be anything from work to crocheting yeah. i don't care on the right hand side write down all the things that you don't want to do that you mm-hmm. hate doing that don't give you any sort of motivation and energy and then go down that list and you got to check off the ones that you got to live or die by like yeah. taxes uh you know the stuff that you yeah, can't yeah. just avoid yeah i bet you your list of things that you don't like to do will get much smaller and it'll become a list of things that you don't have to do. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of us get stuck doing a lot of shit that we don't want to do. And we don't realize that that is, we're not depressed. No. We're not, you know, we don't have uh, we don't need SSRIs. Right. We're just stuck doing shit that we don't like. We're kind of caged animals a little bit yeah. um, by this, by this weird format that we've been, thrust into into society and so yeah do that for me guys with your with your list just write down on the left hand side all the things you enjoy right hand side all the things that you don't enjoy and then go through and fine tune them mm-hmm. and figure out on that list of things that i enjoy how much more fuel can i throw on this one i yeah. think that i think that that's what that checklist really should be uh, more people should figure out what they like and want to yeah. do and do more of that right every person i've ever met that's successful is really bad at a lot of things but yeah. this doesn't but mean that they, tomorrow you have to go start a business no, and be no, successful no no, no. Bite well, off little bites at a time. Well, yeah, but I think even to that, like there's a lot of people who should not be an entrepreneur, but right. it doesn't mean they shouldn't be a CEO. And yeah, if right. I'm a good CEO, then I should be a CEO and I should make millions and millions and millions of yeah. dollars as a good CEO. Right. Or somebody think, else and be yeah, okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm an operator or yeah. I'm a, I, I'm a manager or whatever right. that is. I think for your checklist, you find out what you're really good at and start leaning more into that and then stop doing the shit you're not interested in and or hire somebody to do that yeah. and watch how much your life changes. Yeah. Just look at the list of things that you're doing that you don't want to be doing and figure mm-hmm. out 
can this be eliminated? Can this be delegated to somebody else? Delegated is can, the best. Yeah. What, what, yeah, delegated is huge. It, that's like where it comes to the taxes and yeah. the stuff that, yeah. you know, accounting, all those things that I hate doing. Just delegate it. Does this mean I should take the band on tour? <laughs> yes. Take the band on tour. I mean, dude, that's the thing. You're passionate. Yeah, you're you're band loving on playing tour. music right now. Yeah. What could Why go wrong? Why wouldn't you do more of it? Yeah. Because I got to pay bills. Yeah, but I think that that's a problem because I think that one day you could pay more bills doing what you love more. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I also man. think, because I have this conversation a lot, I have I mentor a lot, and for some reason I attract people who make a lot of money, and the first conversation I have with them is, how many assistants do you have and how right. often do you delegate things? How many, what's the answer? Well, usually they're like, oh, I don't have an assistant. Oh, shit. Little, little lip pillow. Uh, I, well, and I'll add to that. I, I, I do something similar to what you're talking about. I call it, I call it uh, time and effort triage. It's built on an 80-20 principle. Yes. And Pareto's principle, if you guys want to look it up, it's 80-20. Yep. It's, you know, 80% uh, of your results come from 20% of your activity. Yep. And you call it Pareto principle? Yeah, Pareto principle, Pareto's 80, principle. 80-20 rule. Yeah, 80-20 rule. It. And it's time triage. So I took something from the military and I took, you know, lots of different things from the military, course of action development. I write mission statements, which are the who, what, when, where, why for the things I want to accomplish. I write through and I look at them and I look at the time that I'm spending throughout the day and the week. And I go through and I call it chopping out the white noise. Yes. I just, if this thing is not directly yielding me a positive ROI to where I need to go or directly contributing to the 80, you know, the, yep. the 80% or the, the results that I'm trying to achieve or if it, it's keeping, it gets nuked yeah. yeah, and it gets nuked for a reason because it's also the time that you spend against mm -hmm. things that are like provide you an immense amount of happiness that don't return you a financial return. Fulfillment too. Yeah. Happiness like, and fulfillment. You, you have those things that are like, this is the thing. And I, I was just have, talking to Mike Glover about this because I was like, Mike, you got to like, and I wasn't giving him like yeah. coaching advice because Mike's a very competent guy. I was like, dude, why are you doing this thing? You can't, he, you, you can't scale this. You have a finite amount of, yeah. of, of time and you're spending this on this one task. You can't scale it, but you can scale this other thing that you're spending like a little amount of time when you're in. Why wouldn't that you do in, that? Dive into this. And he's like, fuck, you're right. Yeah. And I go through it and I create, I, I create a diary. I have a diary that I write everything in. So I have, I have a library of, and it's not, it's a journal, not a diary. I was going to say women a call journal. it a diary. Yeah. I might, I mean, whatever. My, Do you have my, a key? And is my, it under your pillow? I have two little girls and I'm getting them, I'm getting them into the process too. So I'm like, I'm used to talking to them about, Hey, are you writing in your, in your diary? Are yeah. you going through your goals? Like what are your dreams and your aspirations? How, and how do you want to do that every day? I, I, it's a five pencil rule is what I call it. So I have five pencils in a box and I sharpen them in the morning and I write until those things are down to the fucking nub. All five. Holy All five. shit. How long does that take you? That's it depends. It depends on how, how I mean, much energy that I have. But in general, what? I mean. In general, it's You're over, not resharpening the same pencil. No. One pencil's you, one gone. One pencil's gone. Is, and I don't run, run them all the way down to the wood. I, I run them down to the fact that, or, or to you the point really where it's too big and it's too soft and I don't like it. Yeah. Does it feel right? Are you coloring with them or is it a full I draw writing? pictures. No, <laughs> okay. I draw pictures in it. Like okay. I drew a picture the other day. I was, th I was thinking about the balance, like prudence and balance. Yeah. And I was drawing this scale and I, I kind of, I had to visualize it where, you know, it was, it was the, the, 
how much time and energy you're spending and then providing the correct amount of balance. And I was like, the tug of war that we all face between the things that we know return zero ROI and you kind of like them. And this was my thought because I was watching some stupid show on Netflix and I was like watching this stupid show. It was a colossal, colossal waste of time. But sometimes like you just need to check out and zone out or whatever. But there was too much time. I was like, all right, I, I drew this tug of war between the things that are easy and lazy and the things that you know you need to do. But I was like, I need to get more time, put more energy into the things that are giving me more energy yeah. and balance this thing out a little bit. So it was like time triage. I do it all the time. I journal every day. I talk about, and mainly this is for my kids. It's, it's, it's for me and it's for my kids because when I die, my kids are going to have a, a library of my stupid ideas yeah. and they're going to be able to, technology if we if we do it on an app or we do it on a phone that's not going to be around dude they're not going to be able to plug it into a computer and read it but my kids are going to be able to go through and read all of my journals and go this is what dad was thinking on you know uh november 30th when he was flying home from you know san antonio to salt lake and this this is kind of what he was thinking about at this point in time and i was in most of them i start out as I love you. I, I want you to be successful. I want you to be brilliant and bright. And I, it's a letter to my kids. And then I go into my journal and I go back through and I start looking at my time and what I'm thinking about. And I start scratching off and I'm sociopathic about people that don't provide positive energy. So it's positive fuel. You know, it's toxic fuel and positive fuel. If you have toxic fuel people, they get the fuck out of your life. Right, like yeah. they're gone. If you have toxic and or zero some things that aren't adding value, it's gone. It has to be gone. It's a triage. Ooh. We don't have enough time. I like yeah. that. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna <laughs> add that. I'm gonna add that to my checklist of create the list of names. Yeah, because that is that is probably the most effective. So anytime you hear uh, you know personal development stuff, you hear people talking about become better, do better it feels overwhelming. Where do I start? Like, where do yeah, I start? Yeah. What's going to affect the biggest change? That right there, I think could be one of the first steps that anybody universally could take to just have more energy tomorrow. To also, feel better it's tomorrow. probably the biggest thing you could do in your life to get anywhere to the next level 100%. is to get rid of the people that are draining, that are do nothing, that are negative. Uh, that's my favorite toxic thing to behaviors Cut them the fuck out toxic behaviors the people that tell you you can't do that or they try to there's a difference between pressure testing your ideas with people that you trust and those guys trying to like blow holes in it yeah that's different than people that tell you you can't do shit yeah, for sure like that that's just a person that because wants to see you there's fail productive criticism yeah. and then there's people who are just negative and you're like this yeah. isn't doing anything yeah. for you to say what you're saying it's yeah. it's they want to see you fail if that person is telling you you can't do it secretly, and by the way, like there's, and you guys have, we've, we've all been to this ladder of success. There are thousands, if not more than that, people, and some of those people in your, in your life that are like, I kind of want to see these guys auger in. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. What I, like, I, I am sociopathic about eliminating that out of my I'm life. Same. Dude, I love that. I'm the same as you. I really love that. This is fun talking with you about this because, um, I think on the other shows and stuff, I've, I've heard you talk more about people, places, procedures, that type of thing. Yeah. This is an opportunity to kind of get a peek into your brain and then see you don't take a company public by being a slouch. It's not easy to do. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> IPO, anything, anything yeah. Wall Street related with a company is it's just 
tricky business, yeah. which I guess that'd be a question for you is, um, do you regret doing the IPO? No, no, I don't. I, I, uh, I don't regret it. I don't regret it for once, one second. You don't seem like it, a guy who has a lot of regrets. No, I, I go into things fully cognitive aware, cognitively aware of what the long second and third order effects are going to be. And I absorb the consequences before I do them. Yeah. I completely diagnose and digest them intellectually, physically, and emotionally. That way there isn't a regret. Yeah. I would have regrets if I went into it like unwittingly, but I didn't, didn't have, didn't make an actual educated decision towards no. it. I, it was my plan after about four or five years. Um, I knew what I had to do and the reason I had to do it, which is part of this too, is it's, we're in a culture war. Like we are, we're in a culture war and I'm tired of these, you know, I know we, we got out of politics. I'm go back into it, but I'm tired of these woke fucking companies running the NASDAQ and the New York stock exchange, yeah. like Silicon Valley company does it again. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, yeah. you know, like I have the constitution the American flags and you know, George Washington crossing the Delaware in my conference rooms. Like I love this country and I'm not going to let all these left-wing idiots monopolize like yeah. our, our, our trading. Like I'm just not. Yeah. So I'm like, Hey, there's a combination of reasons that I feel I'm morally obligated to do this. I mean, I didn't make any money in the context of like, it wasn't directly benefiting me financially to do that. It wasn't. So you got so, a seat at the table and a microphone. Yeah. And I wrote the OA. The only way I did it was if I could maintain control. Mm -hmm. And I have, a, I, I have a consolidated, it's basically a consolidated voting rights agreement. So the majority of the vote has to go with me. So it doesn't matter. I could be the fucking janitor over there. I still run the company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smart. I, I, so it's like I win in this, in the context of things where it's like, yeah, I think this is the right thing to do, but I'm never going to relinquish control. Yeah. I share control really easily. I had a co-CEO for a long time. I believe in a meritocracy. I believe that maybe the best idea win. I don't believe in being a tyrant. Those are all the things like, I'm like, I'm not, I love when people are like, dude, this is, I think this is a good idea. I'm like, Oh, Damn, that is a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Dude, like I have spot bonuses all the time. It's hunting trips. Like I give guys elk hunting trips here in Utah and uh, Noveski. I bought like a bunch of Noveski rifles for guys. So it's like nice. when guys do ep epic stuff, I'm like, you're going on an elk hunt this year. Yeah. Or here's a new rifle or here's a new pistol. Like I fucking love that. Well, it's cool because that's, I mean, you talk, you hear Rogan talk about it. The guy's got access to anything he wants at his fingertips. Anything. And the thing that gets him the most excited and fired up, talking about elk hunting. Yeah. It's something so simple. So simple. Do you yeah. guys hunt? No. No? I haven't. We're hunters, but not active hunters. That's been yeah. years. That, that yeah. would be the correct. We're, we're hunters, but not active hunters. I was like, I, I did that. Like, I, I, I got turned way into it a couple of years ago. And I, you know, once again, I'm like, okay, I got to go down the rabbit hole on it because it's fun. 100%. So that's what we talk about this all the time. We got our vision boards and stuff. Um, and back you know, in my twenties, I would throw anything on the vision board. No big yeah, deal. Yeah. Just throw it up there. Um, because it was all just kind of like big dreams and goals. I've accomplished everything that's on my vision goal or on my vision board, which has now got me in a place where I'm like, do I really want to put this on there right now? Because I know whatever <laughs> right. I put on there, I'm going to go right. all in. Yeah. I can't do anything mm. half-assed. Yeah. And so that's where, that's where if you're going to do it, you seem like the type of guy who, when you get in on something, you're all in. I'm all in. hundred percent. And, and there's a little bit more to it than just being all in. It sounds like you spend some time and you think about it and you analyze it and, and you have a plan rather than just 
jump in the deep end. I'm the type of guy who usually just jumps in the deep end. And my plan is I'm good at stuff. Right. And then I just kind of figure it out. Um, but there's the analytical mindset, which it seems you, you have a little bit of an analytical mindset. It's both. I, 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 I try to have a hybrid. I, I, I try to do really, what I try to do is a risk mitigation course out course um, development. So I just look at it and I say, okay, so this is my course of action development. This is the, the, the greatest we can lose. This is the, the most we can win. Right. Yeah. And then I pressure test different ideas on the second and third order effects. I have a whole matrix that I've, have I've like written run a book? through. I haven't. No, why not? You you should write a book. Does it interest uh, you? Yeah. 24. I, I'm going to take all my journals and kind of pull them out and then like that. go through. Just make sure that you say diaries when you put them. <laughs> yeah. Dear diary. Dear diary. <laughs> okay guys, dear, I wrote a book and diary. it's all in my diary. <laughs> no dude. I mean, that's the, the, you really already have probably written five books. Maybe more. Maybe more, bro. Five pencils. Yeah. Fuck. Five I'm, the five pencil rule. And it's like it's little little aluminum box I've been carrying around. And uh hey, I, I can't remember where we're at, but I I I love the, the writing process and the the analytical through just courage. Yeah. Where it's like I call it the seventy percent good enough rule, which yeah. is like I got seventy percent of the information. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Like ours, I think ours is the thirty <laughs> percent. <laughs> All right, I got thirty percent of the information. Let's go. It's here. Here, my course of action development's done. My risk mitigation's <laughs> done. Like I've done a bunch of shit, and I'm like, I don't need this. The yeah. other ten percent is about optimization. The other thirty percent is just about optimization. I already know the heavy macro stuff, and right. I know enough to go yeah. in. So then I'm like, okay, let's go. You know and what the truth is that I do want to say because I have this conversation a lot. So many people get uh, paralyzed by uh, analyzing. Yeah, I don't think that you ever really get more than seventy five percent of the real information ever. And, ever. and then you have so many people that are waiting for the other twenty five percent before they make that jump. Now, Dave and I are very alike in this. Like, I'll get. 12 to 20 percent and then i'm like i'm in let's go and you're saying 70 percent but i think it's worth noting for those that are listening like you're never going to get a hundred percent and those which is 99 percent of people that actually are waiting for that are the ones who do nothing in their life paralysis by analysis right it's like it just needs to and i'll blow those people out or put them in the right position because they'll create they're, obstacles they're great inside your company depending on where you put them yeah. like you can't put them in a dev position no. because they'll just like slow everything down yeah. to the point where you're going okay time to go Get let's go on. yeah and i mean i i that's probably you know i'm seen as impatient yeah. like i am like most entrepreneurs i'm very impatient i put those people on my cleanup crew in my businesses yeah yeah. so i'll d- jump in i'll cause chaos and then when the chaos passes i'll go hey analytical guys right right we're slow to get shit done <laughs> yeah. come figure out all the shit we fucked clean up it up here. that's yeah, exactly it up. that's exactly what we do it's yeah. exactly i'm like hey we're gonna get in we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna go on this expedition we're gonna get 10 miles in and by the way you guys are gonna have to be back like, <laughs> yeah. back here cleaning shit up because yeah. we're gonna break some stuff like, yeah. like, things are gonna go wrong and i've i got a litany of different things that we've done wrong over yeah. the over the past but it's like Things are going to go wrong, guaranteed. Yeah. But I've done enough to know kind of what's going to go wrong and or I got the talent in the back to be like, oh, I'm a jack of all trades. I'll, I'll clean all this shit up for you. So. Yeah. And the reward was worth the risk. Oh, yeah. So that's the, the analysis that you did in the beginning is figuring out that risk reward, um, which is kind of a hard thing to do sometimes. And that's like where you said you get yeah, to the yeah. point where it's like, that's as good enough, 70%, or it's as good as I can understand it. That's as far as I can see down the road. All I can do now is jump in and let fate, luck, and hard work 
figure out the rest. And that's kind of kind of uh, I like that strategy. Um, I mentioned to you before you came on the show that we do this checklist yeah, concept. Yeah. Um, are there any things you want to share with us? I'm telling you, this could be anything from buy Kroger brand white bread or yeah. whatever. Um, sleep. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I've found then if I could rewind and tell myself one, one key factor, because I've realized, and I, I worked on about four and a half hours of sleep every night because was, I was operating under this, this warrior ethos of like, you're going to sleep when you're dead, blah, 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 blah. Total dog shit. It's, which it's, is, it's, which it's is the quickest way to get you yeah. dead. It's it's a hundred percent. That is, that is the clear path to, to death, to, to death and destruction, blowing up your business, blowing up your personal relationships, blowing everything up. Like, Find the time to educate yourself on how to sleep well. Yeah. There's actually, there's a book called Sleep Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of science out there. I mean, I think uh, Andrew Huberman's gone through some of this, yeah. but it's, I, I create a ecosystem for sleeping everywhere I go now. It's like blackout curtains, noise yeah. machine. And, you know, I try to, I try to go to bed at a reasonable time and I try to get at least seven and a half hours. Like, and you got to train yourself. You got to be yeah. disciplined when it comes to sleep because sleep is the cornerstone to the performance of the next day. Right. And if you don't have enough sleep, you can't, you can't put, function. You, you can't function cognitively. No. You can't function. And I saw a cognitive decline because of the lack of sleep several years ago. And then I was like, okay, I got to fix this. I got to do this. So cornerstone, everything that I have. And it's like, before you go into like ice baths and all this other fucking crazy stuff, dude, if you're not like sleeping, you can't work out. You don't have the discipline to eat well. You, it, it is the premise, the foundation that you're going to end up building the entire existence of your life on. Yeah, It's so important. And the lack of knowledge out there from everyone. It's insane. It's insane. They, they don't do enough research and educate themselves on sleeping well and how to sleep well. Um, do you so use a sleep tracking device? I do. Yeah. So in the Garmin, I have got it. And then I've got another one too that sits on my wrist. Oh, I just got the other day. Cause I'm a dude. Sleep is like my, that's my baby. <laughs> don't mess with my sleep. I'm, I'm bare. I sleep like text me the other day, like making a joke that I wouldn't be up till nine 30. It's not far from the truth some days. 9.30 is aggressive. I think the latest I'll sleep in without feeling like a total lump of shit is about 8 o'clock. Right. Um, but I enjoy my sleep. So the other day I got, uh, and I actually, this is a sponsor, not of the podcast, but of our YouTube channel, um, the the 8 Sleep. Huberman talks oh, yeah, about yeah. all the time, mm -hmm. the pod. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's basically a mattress cover mm -hmm. that has heating and cooling built into it, yeah. but it also has tracking. So the last four or five nights I've been able to track my sleep. And me being somebody who's so obsessed with sleep and getting the right amount of sleep and feeling good, I wasn't doing anything to really track it other than waking up and thinking, how do I feel? Right. You know, just basing it off of how productive I was when I woke up. So now I can, I can do it. And the, and the eight sleep pod will go in and it'll show you all of your, um, different metrics. So it'll show you the exact amount of, let's see, cause I, I this is funny that you brought this up because this morning I woke up kind of feeling like shit because I looked at my sleep score this morning and it was uh, 70, 70 right. out of hundred. Um, yesterday I woke up and I was feeling great. I just felt good. Sprung out of bed before I even looked at the app. I was like, I feel great. Looked at the app. I, I got a 91 yesterday. And the difference was um, the, the quality of sleep. So I got an hour and 26 minutes of REM sleep yesterday and an hour and 30 minutes of deep sleep. Today I got an hour and Oh, like just barely over an hour of, of REM sleep. Um, and then I got more deep sleep, but it kept on getting interrupted by these weird like sleep cycles of waking up. Right. So it shows you literally everything. So 
once I realized what this was doing and it was tracking, I started changing what I was taking at, at bedtime for supplements. And, you know, kind of, I'm a mad scientist when it comes to what I put in my body. I will try just about anything. Um, and so I put together this little cocktail that all of a sudden I'm seeing my sleep score go up and up and up. And last night, I didn't have my concoction. Wow. I had a bunch of candy and stuff. And so, dude, it's so cool. You can track it. So it's no longer a guessing game. Right. Um, it, and I think everybody, I mean, whether it's a Garmin watch or the pod, yeah. I like the pod because it <clears throat> changes the temperature. Of, have you used a, a pad like that? Yeah, I use a Uller, I think. I have the Uller too. Yeah, yeah. Uller's good. Yeah. Um, I like the, the Uller that I had didn't have the sleep tracking as potent as yeah. the 8 Sleep does. The 8 Sleep does... You know, it gives you your heart rate variability, gives you your breath rate, all this oh, different shit. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And it's very accurate. It's spot yeah. on. So get more sleep, but also figure out what kind of sleep you need yeah. and how you're going to do that. What, going to bed at 10 and waking up at 6 isn't all there is to it. No, there's no, a lot more no. of the program. Like, uh, and that's why, you know, if you have any questions about sleep, go look at, you know, some of Huberman's podcast. Yeah. Cause he talks about in depth of when to turn the phones off, when to, you know, black out, when to, you know, drop the temperature, that kind of stuff. Little things like that. Do you do any of this or do you just go to bed? <clears throat> Sometimes I take melatonin, you know, <laughs> last night I like, slammed a couple. Uh, I'm yeah. so glad we're having this yeah. conversation. My wife, we're having a baby on Monday. Oh, and she, and she, awesome. she asked me while we were laying in bed, she was like, so are you going to get up and get, I said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and she, and I, like, I don't say that rudely, but like yeah. I provide for the entire family. I also have two, three assistants, a nanny, someone cleaning, and I'm hiring somebody to come live at the house for eight weeks while right. the baby's there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I'm not getting up because to me and Dave and I are very similar in this. Like your heart and your brain are directly connected to how well you sleep. Yeah. If I'm getting up with a brand new baby, guess what? Everything's going to shit and I'm not going to be able to run the business and make the money to do all the shit that we're going to be doing anyway. It's right. like, and I'm not doing it in a prideful way. Sleep to me is like at the top of my list. Okay. So let me put, let me throw this out there and see if you guys have any ideas. Obviously you don't know. My wife was in a, had a traumatic neck injury. Yeah. Was paralyzed quadriplegic. Bro, bro. It, this is the most incredible story. And anyway, she's made a lot of progress. But no, she's walking. No, this she's happened. walking. She's riding Three yeah. months bikes. ago, the doctor said, you're done. You're she's not riding bikes. You're quad. Uh, she's walking and riding bikes. It's crazy. But involuntary spasms. She'll wake up in the middle of the night. And something that we're battling for her right now is her sleep. She'll wake up with her knees in her chest and she can't move. So I have to wake up. I put my hand on her chest and I put my other hand on her legs and I have to stretch them out and her body will violently fight me for like, wow. I don't know, probably 20 seconds and then it'll relax and then we go back to sleep. But that happens sometimes like 15 to 20 times a night. Whoa. So neither of us sleep good. Right. What I would do is start experimenting with different supplements and different things. You're talking about weed, huh? Well, that's one of them. Yeah. Give yeah, sure getting that tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, dude, We're that, could, that could be the solution, man. Yeah. Okay, I would also give you, um, when I was like doing really big bodybuilding and I was still getting decent six, seven, eight hours of sleep, I would also take a nap and I would schedule my entire yeah. day because I knew that, that I needed, and dude, I'm not talking about like a four hour nap. I'm talking about a 45 minute or where I shut yeah. everything off and I go, I just need this because then how productive I am from four o'clock to nine is tripled because I just got yeah. a nap in. And so for you, dude, you're not going to be able to go, Hey, good luck with everything. I'm going to sleep in the other room. It's not going to work. Can't do but that. what you can do is because this is so important and truthfully, like your mental health right now is going to be affected by how much sleep you yeah. have. 
what you can do is go, you know what? I, I do need to shut down for 45 minutes every day and just take a nap with nobody here and structure your entire day around it. Because again, I'm telling you right now, because I, I love that this is what you said. Sleep is my top top. And if I don't get it, I am garbage. Yep. I can't think, I can't talk, I, everything hurts. Like sleep is a huge thing. So I think for you, like, it's like, you're not gonna be able to say, hey, Heidi. Non-guilty nap. Good luck, yeah, yeah, good luck sleeping by yourself. No, 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 I think you go, you know what, dude? I think I put in 45 minutes every day to nap because I need to get some sleep. We bought a hot tub. Nice. Because we've heard that it will help her relax. So we're gonna try sitting in the hot tub every night to hopefully Well, dude, there's all sorts that, of supplements you know? out there. I'll send you a list too of just different things that can help with circulation and help with um, relaxing the muscles. So there's inflammation is a big thing that Heidi's going to be dealing with right now because from the injury and from just being stuck, the joints are going to get inflamed. Damn. They're going to get, I mean, this is a whole other long term thing, but man, supplement thing. Like we, she takes so many pills and supplements and it's hard to like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I, I was story for another day. I was in the same boat where I was taking, dude, my, when I was real experimenting with supplements, I was taking it was like 50 pills a day wow. of different stuff. Cause I wanted to see what worked and what didn't yeah. um, come to find out I was doing it the wrong way. I was, I wasn't even methylating the stuff correctly. So you got to go back to the basics and figure out what your body actually, so there's a little less saliva. I like the nap do. idea though. Yeah. There's saliva test you can do. Game changer, dude, because you have to do it. And again, I'm not the jackass sitting here with my wife who's actually here saying, I'm not going to get up and help with the kids. But what I am saying is if I'm going to continue to be productive and make the money to provide for everybody, and hire 50 fucking people to help us, I'm going to get my sleep. It yeah. is absolutely the most crucial thing that I could be doing. That's a great checklist yeah. item. Um, any others that you wanted to add to that list? Um, well, the things we, we I was going to cover tonight was uh, sleep, one, number one, and then mm -hmm. two, you, you do have to just do what I would say is time triage, like time triage time and sleep. You know, exercise is one of those things I go back and forth on it. You know, I... I exercise obviously because it's like really good for mental and physical health. And it's really about optimizing the entire fucking thing. Because if I'm not fit, my brain doesn't, my brain doesn't function as well. Right. So those kind of, kind of things put together, but just tactically and being present, like journaling is one of the most important things you can do. Journaling. You know, I, I, I call it that. diary. Changed it. <laughs> diary. Um, and then you, you have to look at this and, and the, how I started this. And I started this 10 years ago. Like 10 years ago, I was looking and it was actually nine. So I started the company 10 years ago, nine years, about a year into it. I was like, man, my, my days are just getting longer and longer. And I feel like I'm getting further and further behind. That's the way it felt. Like I was just like getting, my days were getting longer. I had a fucking thermal rest below my desk. I wouldn't even go home. I would just go down, turn the lights off in my office, lay on the fucking thermal rest and I <laughs> pull the blanket over me, go to sleep for like four hours and then turn the lights back on in my office, go make coffee and then do it again. Right. And it just felt like I couldn't get ahead. And then I started checklists and time triage looking like, where am I spending my time? Notice I said spending my time because you have to think about time currency. as currency. Yeah. And if I'm investing my time, it has to return a positive ROI. Yeah. You're not going to invest your money in, in continue to invest in your money in negative ROI. You're not going to, you know why? Cause you're going to go fucking bankrupt. You're going to learn a big lesson and, and you're, you're going to go start over again. You, yeah. But the one thing that people think they have 
uh, an infinite amount is time because they're living in the present and they're saying, I'm going to generate more tomorrow. I'm going to generate more tomorrow. It's like you wake up every day as an investor and you have a brand new tank of money yeah. and you're a failed investor because you've continued to spend your time in negative ROI and you're not going back and looking at your investments and treating your time like a fucking investment. 86,000 seconds a day. That's right. And if you're not going through there and chopping that stuff out and being maniacal about checklists and your time and saying, I've got to just cut out the white noise, the yeah. stuff that's negative ROI, you're not, you're just not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, and I some of that. us do it subconsciously. We do it subconsciously and we do it without knowing, but a lot of people, I think they need a manual visual process that they're like, chop, 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 chop. And then they start doing that in every, every piece of their life. It translates to everything because then you're like, okay, I'm not putting negative fuel in my body. So is a, is a not, checklist, uh, it's kind of a, a to-do list. I view them a little bit different yeah. because a to-do list is kind of like a, what are my daily tasks that I got to get done that day? Mm -hmm. Whereas a checklist is, these are the, you know, these are the, um, non-negotiables, mm -hmm. the, the, the things that I have to do every single day. So um, you're actually probably the first guest who's ever given me a checklist item that I both A, have, have am not currently doing and B, don't want to do, which is journaling because I, yeah. it is so hard for me. Di diary. And diary. diary. <laughs> my, my brain goes faster than my pen. And so when I start writing, I'll write a sentence that is complete and then I'll go back and read it. And I, I skipped over like that's why your my brain is jumping ahead. Yeah, dude, all the time. I'm like, what is he saying? But I'm going to add it to my list because I know the times that I have done it in my life. It's the same reason I enjoy doing the podcast. If I wasn't sitting here tonight having this, this conversation with you guys, I would probably be at home, maybe watching TV, doing something, hanging out with the family. I would not be exercising the, you know, the, this big muscle in my head, yeah, the yeah. brain. Um, and so it's the same concept of you're writing things out. So can I give, this will be fast so that those listening can go back and listen. You have 168 hours in a week. After eight hours, you have 112 hours in a week. After 40 to 50 hours of work, because we put that up there, you're about 60 hours, 70 hours left. If you're doing what he's talking about, you should be going through in your life and dissecting those 40 to 60 hours yeah. because you can't give up sleep. You're, you're not going to give up your job, right? Or whatever it is you're doing. So you're, you're again, you're down to about 60, 70 hours. So yeah. you should go through with your checklist and go, all right, 40 to 60 hours of my week. What am I investing my time into and what should I cut the fuck out so that I can do more of what I'm good at or yeah. what gives me an ROI? <laughs> I'm yeah. actually, I like that. I'm going to start with kind of a weekly time budget. Yeah. Just I, do, I love this. Myself. I love yeah. it. And you know, the other thing too, is I always tell people, I, I break this down. That's why I know these numbers. Well, 168 hours a week after eight hours, you're at 112. How many hours do you work? And people always say oh, 40 to 50. I'm like, listen, dude, I work my ass off and I maybe work 60 hours a week. Right. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So let's just say it's 60. Okay. 112 minus 60. Like, dude, you still have 50, 60 yeah. hours a week that you're doing what with. Right. And that's what you should be yeah, doing yeah. that list with that you're talking about is like, okay, oh shit. I'm, I'm doing I'm reading or I'm drawing or I'm journaling or I'm watching TV. Oh shit, dude. I just realized I'm doing three hours a day. That's 21 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. And most people are like two or three hours of TV. That's not that much. That's 25 hours a week. Yeah. That's a hundred hours a month. That, that, that is your business. That yeah. is your, that is, that is like what people say is their side hustle, right? That's your business right yeah. there. If you're putting 25, 30 hours a That's week, so much, dude, yeah. it is That's so true. much in, 
I, I and it's it's changed my life in so many different ways. I can't be overwhelmingly more positive about this because what it does is it also takes like the two or three hours that I have with my kids. It also puts two to three hours where I'm like, oh, now I've got to make. I've got to make these minutes and seconds count yes. in here. You know, today I came home, I flew back, uh, I landed at uh, 4.30, I, I got home at five. My my uh, daughter went to piano, so I had the youngest with me. And we spent from five to six playing, like playing, not watching TV or doing anything. Else, because I haven't seen her for a few days. Yeah. Like I got to connect and you got to break down the barriers. You got to reconnect with them because it's, we all have kids here. It takes a minute. You got to like warm up the yeah, machine. Yeah, so then yeah. it's like well, how I warm up the machine with the kids is I, as I play the game, would you rather, yeah. <laughs> would you rather be an elephant or a giraffe? Would you rather be this? Would you rather? And I get, just get them talking, just get them like, just get, break yeah. down the barriers, get them talking. And then I start talking to her. I'm like, Hey, so what kind of stuff are you into at school? You know, yeah. because if you just hard open right. with works. that, it never works. So I got to break down the barriers. I got to warm them up. I got to get them saying yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I got to get them involved, get them engaged. And then I can like reconnect and communicate with them because they're the best at small talk. Yeah. They're the best at shutting you down, right. like basically creating the wall and creating the fucking small talk. We're like, school's good. And then just like moving out or whatever. Yeah. Right. You got to, Got to warm up, get them saying yes, and then yeah. reconnect yeah. in. And then we were talking about art. We were talking about dance. We we're talking. We we're just talking. Yeah. And one hour, dude. I had one hour to just like break down the walls, get her saying yes, reconnect, and then like, yeah. like on the road. But and when I'm thinking of this, because I always run this timeline, I always do time management in my brain. Now I'm thinking. So for thirty hours a month, you're spending time talking to your children. Yes. And most people are like, oh shit. Even people listening are like, oh shit. I don't. I don't know if I talk to my children for one hour a day. I'm not talking to them for 30 hours a month. Like that's not happening. No. And I'm, I'm a huge analog believer. Like I, I have a lot of like puzzles, like, you know, puzzles and pencils and pens and markers and shit. So I, I do everything with them. Like I, if they're drawing, I'm trying If They're doing something. So it's, you know, we're off topic a little bit on kids, but that's like, I'm looking at my time yeah. and what I'm investing and in how I'm spending that time with my kids. And then I'm also saying, okay, yeah. what's the most positive and productive I can be directly plugged in with them versus yeah. flushing this hour down the toilet yeah. with here. Like I'm going to go up to my office and bang out a bunch of emails that by the way, I can get to at five o'clock in the morning. Anytime, way. Right. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I like that a lot. Those are really good ones. And those are, I like it when, when we get checklist items that are kind of relevant to everybody. Yeah. If you got a, if you got a heart and a brain, you should be sleeping. You should be, you should be sleeping. You should be, you should be paying attention to this stuff. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add to that list? I, I, I think for this one, that's good. Like, I, I was going to say, I was going to say <laughs> that. Actually, that's good. I think you nailed how many, it. Man. How many you, times you have you pulled the string on, on me? Uh, three times. Now yeah. I know why. Three yeah. times. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, you get some people who go on a show like that and they tell their story and it's like, that was a cool story. And then that, that was their story. There's a lot more to you than just a story. Mm -hmm. You've got, uh, you've got some solid insight. And he has a diary. That's you got you. a diary. I have like a diary. Hey, it's, it's got a little golden key. Or where, <laughs> you know, I'm, getting, it's, it's, I'm getting you a diary for Christmas. <laughs> he has a ring it's, around it's, his. It's, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I don't like to brag about it. One of those it. pens. It's got nine different colors. <laughs> yeah. you, on it. you open it up and every day is a, a different <laughs> color. You're like, this guy's legit. This guy's bro. legit. It's got a little princess on the top. I think it's important that we also diary, um, things that we fail at yeah oh yeah right those are huge um it's kind of i remember when i was keeping a journal kind of consistently i'd always be so embarrassed to write anything like 
vulnerable or like you were worried somebody would come read it i was either a worried that somebody would come read it or i was just embarrassed myself like writing that's it down why you makes have it to real. get the lock oh yeah that's right that's why you yeah, wear yeah. it on a necklace <laughs> they can't get in that thing no yeah. dude evan those are some really yeah. good uh that's i mean that's those two or three items that you just shared with us are probably the core I mean, I'm not going to say probably those are the reason why you've been able to build a company as successful as you have, um, you know, building black rifle, you know, take all those throw in some, you know, really hard work and a splash of good luck. Like, there you go. Like I, I can't emphasize the, 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 the amount of luck yeah. that has participated in this. The other thing is, it's like connecting in with people authentically and just creating relationships. People look at fucking relationships like transactions. Everything's transactional. What can this person do for me? What can this person versus just saying, Hey, I want to have a connected, authentic relationship. Is this good? Is this person good? Are they a good human? Are they a good human? Do they, do they live their fucking life? Like I do. Awesome. You so know what? Make the transaction energy based. Yeah. yeah. It's energy Always. based. Yep. It's like, I, I mean, some of my best friends are people that can do nothing for me in business, right. like zero, but they're fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're, they're fun. They're funny. They're engaging. They're family men. Like I also like, you know, I mean, if you can't tell, like, like I, I, I do not spend a lot of time with people that just are not, they're not family people. Like right, I yeah. just, I can't like, we're the same. Like yeah. I can't like, it's, it's too, it's too much of a big part of my life. If guys are off doing honky, like weird shit, you know, and we all know this because when you reach a certain amount of success, they're the guys that are like dipping their toes down in Vegas yeah. and doing yeah. a bunch of weird shit. And yeah. I'm like, ah, it's not my vibe, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we don't really even attract those people anymore. When, no. you, when you become the person that you, or when you're trying to become the person you want to become, that naturally just kind of turns off that frequency of attracting yeah. those dudes that, uh, so I'm, I, we're going to get further into this in some future episodes, but the energy thing I'm big on, um, you got a good energy too, man. You got a great energy. Uh, you got a real good energy. energy. I, I live and die by yeah. one thing now with my relationships and it's one word. It, is it edifying or not? Yeah. If when we talk, is it edifying? Like every time Dave and I, one of the reasons we're such good friends, because when we talk, it's always an edifying conversation, right. even if it's just a goofy, funny conversation. Yeah, yeah. And any relationship now I have, whether it's a conversation or just interactions, if it's not edifying, done. Done. Cut. Here's what I love about energy. You can hear me right now, right? You can hear me through your ears. Yeah. Why? How can you hear me? What's causing you to be able to hear me? The Frequencies. Microphone. Oh, yeah. Frequencies traveling through the air. It's just a it's just a vibration, something in your ears picking it up, turning it into a message. So if we can do that with our mouths, which is pretty primitive, who's to say we can't do that with our brains? Yeah. Who's to say that we can't do that with our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, yeah. everything like that? Um, and the the most powerful thing I've ever done is be able to focus on that whatever it was that I wanted, put my energy all in that direction, but then internalize it and feel so good examples when i wanted to own a helicopter before i had the money to own a helicopter i used to drive around in my truck with one hand on the on the steering wheel like it was the cyclic and another hand down here on my fake collective and i would actually feel the emotion the, like this is the, the key part feeling the way that i wanted to that i knew i would feel the day i got my helicopter and i was flying my family around so i'm this 21 22 year old kid driving around in my truck owning my construction job pretending like i'm flying a helicopter and I come from a family and a background in a situation where I should not have two helicopters sitting behind me that I own. I shouldn't, <laughs> but I do. And the reason for that one, I'm going to give almost all the credit to just me being able to focus on it and then actually feel what it felt like before I was able to achieve it. Right. Probably the same feeling that you had when you were going public with, you know, the company you, you built up, you knew exactly what you're trying to accomplish out of it. Um, you, you probably had years before that thinking about when you would go public and what it would feel like. 
years. Yeah. yeah. And you created yeah. it all in your head. You created this world. Yeah. And then, you know, I, it sucks that manifesting has become such a cliche. Cliche kind of bullshit, but it's so be, true. Because it's just been adopted by a bunch of fucking dorks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. My, my, and I'll, I'll, I'll say true. one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life. And, you know, I, was we went to the New York Stock Exchange, which is so historically significant for so many different reasons. There's no other option. I don't give a shit about the NASDAQ. So the New York Stock Exchange is right across the street from where George Washington took the oath of office. And when we stepped up on the podium to ring the bell, my daughter my daughter oh, pressed the button. Wow. So and cool. so when she's in college and some socialist professor is like <laughs> saying like, oh, Marxism or whatever, she's like, well, I, I ran the bell in the New York Sox team. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. It was, and I'm the, I think I'm the only guy to say f in the New York stock exchange <laughs> as I'm giving my public speech. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of a redneck moment. They're like, wow. Okay. This guy's kind of like the president, uh, the, the president of the stock exchange is like, that's legit. Okay. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, Hey man, that's, dude, that's exact. The whole reason why you went public is like I said earlier, in order for you to be able to get a seat at that table in one of those microphones that those big corporations have, you had to go public. So it was a necessary evil. And it's done wonders, dude. I mean, obviously, it's been a rocky road, and you guys have had your fair share of just blindsided attacks and yeah, bullshit. Yeah. You, you know, they've tried to cancel you. It's, it's uh, <laughs> uh, how many times? You, you, they've Once, twice? Uh, it came at us a few times. Like, I took a lot of heat uh, for so many different things, right? A couple of them over the years. But uh, I think you know, when you're committed, you know, I mean, it goes back to virtue and courage, right? right? It's like, Hey, this doesn't scare me, dude. Right. Like, like, you know, course of action and development risk mitigation. When I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, my kids love me. Yeah. My wife loves me. Like I got amazing friends, beautiful people around me, surrounding me every day. Like the white noise of the bullshit, it, it can't really penetrate. No. You know why? Cause dude, I get to go home every day and I got two little rock stars and a fucking rad wife. That's like, they think I'm the coolest, coolest dude in the world. And I think they're the coolest people in the world. And that's the one thing like the ultimate equalizer and the greatest fucking thing that I have like period. And it's not my possession. It's one that they're giving me like openly. It's like, that's the most beautiful thing that I've had. And so it's like, it's, it's fucking really meaningful. It's very powerful. And that's the thing is like become uncancelable because if you don't give a shit, what Twitter has to say, dude, it is a power. Yeah. It is like, yeah. it's a power. It's amazing what you can do when you have a firm grasp on yourself yeah. and who you are and truly believe. Uh, and not just believe a set of core guidelines and principles, but also live them. Once you yeah. start living them, then you start believing that you, you know, you believe in your own stories. Yeah. People um, feel authenticity too, man. And you yeah. just like exude that. <laughs> and I've never drank a cup of coffee. Really? I never have. Yeah. But I promise you if I do, it'll be black rifle coffee. <laughs> I like you as a dude. You, you, you know guys, what I'm you guys are like this this is fucking awesome, man. Like I like I I don't even feel obligated to say this. Like this is awesome. You guys have a great like a great table here. Like this is awesome conversation. Like, Thank you. The energy is vice versa in the context of this has been a rad conversation. You guys are good people. I Thank can you. feel it. You guys are good humans, man. Like Thanks. that's I, awesome. I appreciate that. I mean, that's honestly, dude, you think about it, the timing, it's just, this is one example. We've been trying to link up for years, Years, right? So many different opportunities, so many different things. We start the podcast and we just so happen to be spend the day with you in Moab. And it's just, it's, it's when you work towards a goal, 
a lot of the pieces just fall into place. Yeah. And this is, it wasn't any effort whatsoever to get you to come on the show because it's just a natural fit and it was good for you. And this, you know, you're a guest that a lot of podcasts that, you know, would kill to have because you're a great podcaster and you've been on a lot of shows. You're, you're somebody that people would, would, would want to be able to, to interview. And, uh, I agree with what you're saying where if you're a good person, you do. I mean, this, these are so basic principles, but yeah. man, I cannot overemphasize if you're a good person, if you spend some time getting to know who you really are, what your weaknesses and strengths are, especially your weaknesses, figure out what those are because some of those you can turn into strengths and some of them you can just forget, forget. never look back. They don't have to have the power over us that we sometimes allow them to do. So to recap, I'll give you guys the checklist. Um, I've got my checklist item that I was putting out was create that list, two lists. One is going to be, um, of the, uh, toxic versus positive energy people in your life. Just make a column. Does this person give me good energy, bad energy? There's probably gonna be a third column where it's like, this person is kind of up and down. Yeah. You, know, you got, everybody's got those relationships. I also like the way he put it, become a sociopath in cutting those people out. Right. And yeah. if you don't know what a sociopath is, it's somebody who has no feeling once something happens. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cause a lot of people are afraid because they're afraid of what the other person is going to say or is going to say versus yeah. like, that's why they're getting yeah, but that axe. Yeah, I'm <laughs> that's why about they're what getting exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that's why that. they're getting the axe. Yeah, no, I love that. And the the other uh, paper that I'd like you guys to fill out would be the one where you create two columns. Um, one is going to be a list of things that you love to do that give you energy that get you going, and the other one's going to be stuff that you don't enjoy doing. You're going to go through that list and you're going to figure out where you can spend more time and how much of the time that you're spending on the negative line can be transferred over to stuff that's actually building you and making you happy because it's really not that hard it's just budgeting no. just yeah. to look at the list and figure out where you're spending your time which takes me to your checklist item which is time triage um and keeping a cute little diary i love that i love that so much there's gonna be black rifle coffee diaries yeah. <laughs> i think uh it's we're gonna break that into two different lists though keep your journal um that you're gonna be able to just write in and just kind of just let that just be a sounding board for whatever, yeah. whatever's going through your head, throw it out there. The other side of that is keeping a, an actual checklist. I like yeah. how you put that, um, a daily checklist or a list of things. You're going to add new things to that every day that you got to accomplish, but have your core things that you just, you do them. And as you do them, you'll be able to do like I do with my sleep tracking app. I realize that eating candy before bed makes me sleep like shit. So right. I'm not going to do it anymore because yeah. I feel, I don't feel good. So once you start putting this stuff out there, getting it in front of you and you've got a record of it, Dude, change is so much easier to make once you know what you need to change. As soon as you figure out how to measure things, you can change. Exactly. Um, and then the the one I like the most is sleep. Yeah. And it, it, there, there's way more to that than just get better sleep or go, go to bed earlier. This is spend some time learning about sleep. Educate yourself. There's a book called... You, you, which one sleep you Well. So there's one called Why We Sleep. Oh, yeah. Why We Sleep Too. That's Why great. We Sleep Terrified yeah. Me. Because it just shows just how, like, bad for you it is not getting good sleep is. Like, it's terrifying. This is why I worry about Diesel Dave the most, because that guy never sleeps. He I was going to say Rob Bailey. Oh. Yeah, never sleeps. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's, it'll catch up to you sooner or later. Absolutely. So spend some time figuring out what your sleep looks like, how to get better sleep. and um, Take a nap if you need to. We yeah, will actually, yeah. probably in a future episode, I'll give you guys a promo code that gives us a pretty healthy discount off the 8-pod for any of our listeners. Um, I love it. I've had the Uller. I've tried, I've tried a bunch of different things. 
Eat Sleep is by far the best one I've found so far. And I'm not even getting paid to say that, at least not on this show. Like, well, <laughs> you're on, on YouTube, but they're not yeah. tracking this. Um, <laughs> dude, Evan, you're the man. We really appreciate yeah. you coming up and that you're a wealth of, uh, you're a wealth of, first of all, good energy, just just good vibrations. And I understand why you get to hang around with such cool people and you can name drop, you know, people <laughs> just name dropping over here. Yeah, um, <laughs> but the reason why you're able to do that is not because you're at every freaking Washington party, you know, hobnobbing yeah. and trying to be buddies. You're just a good person. People pick up on that and, and, and they want more of it. So I'd love to interview you again. Um, you, you know, you, there could be a whole series of, of Evan's tasty little notes. Does he I make the, uh, does he make the invite for January 4th? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. The whole black rifle. So January fourth of the eighth, we go do our big winter shit show extravaganza up uh, oh, yeah. Bear Lake. Helicopters. Oh, yeah. So we got a boats, whole lodge and a whole cabin. Tracks, and we do everything. Any toy you can imagine is there. And I'm, we, I'm the, in. Like whole, any anything you guys got going on, man, <laughs> I'm in. Like yeah. consider me like a. I'm in. Like uh, whatever whatever invite I get, I'm in. Hell yeah. I'll text you the dates because <laughs> we'd love, love to have you up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with that said, dude, we appreciate uh, you making the time. We appreciate your. Dude, you're just a good example of good energy. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I like, love it. I sincerely, I sincerely, really, really, from the deepness of my fucking soul, I really do appreciate it. Thank you. 